Hey, what's good, people? This is the Option Podcast. This is episode 131. I'll ask this woman later. Wendy Jones, always there when I need her. But she's not my guest. My guest is Ashley Clark. Wendy Jones is just alone for the ride. But, you know, I didn't want Ashley to do this by herself with me in a room. You know, I could be creepy. So the episode starts right now. Good Lord, that was loud. I mean, I just blew <laughs> You guys don't even have a headset on, and I'm sure you heard that, right? <laughs> it's like holding on your seat like, hey, what's up, people? Hey, this is episode 131. I'm absolutely, absolutely sure right now, and that's Ashley. No, that's Wendy Jones. This is Ashley Clark. So glad to have you on. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my God, the pleasure's all mine, and certainly the pleasure's all Wendy's. You, you were on, you were on the Optimist Journal last week, and I got all insanely jealous. And Wendy knows how I do, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I mean, right? It's like, how come I want one of those? <laughs> I want one of those. Right? I can't have one of those. <laughs> I'm, I'm important too. I eat German food. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. So let's put my icon on the key. I'm doing this. That's myself. a great icon, by the way. Yeah, isn't that? Yeah, cool? I think it's super cool. I got a trademark, boy. I got a trademark the hell out of that. It's I'm super gonna have cool. a problem. Someone's <laughs> gonna be, someone's gonna bite it. And, mm -hmm. and that's good. I mean, the option, the name is already there. The only thing that I have that's mine is the options in quotation marks. There's the al option alpha. There's this and that. Yeah. So, so because when you look for my thing on Spotify or iTunes, you really have to look for it because yeah. they're they're stupid so like that. So you just favored it. And then you got it. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, what I have it. Add it to your library. Add the option to your library. And yeah. then it comes right up. <laughs> I mean, and that's... We're going to talk a little bit of prop, a little bit about some of the issues I've been having with viewership and some of the issues I've been dealing with um, on all of my platforms, but, but particularly Facebook. Like iTunes and Spotify, I, I can't even find my own thing. But the, somehow, somewhere, the viewership's still there because people share, right? YouTube, um, I have 17,000 subscribers, but when I put up a, a podcast episode, they don't notify my subscribers, right? No. Kim Kardashian, I can see Kim Kardashian, you know, butt implants on my Facebook wall. And I'm going to be like, interesting. You know, it's something you're not originally interested in, but you click on it. So, um, and Facebook, Facebook, um, oh, fuck it. I guess I'll just talk about it now. Because we're going to talk about Club Volleyball and we're going to talk about, we're going to have some, some fun conversations with that. Wait, but isn't the whole point of subscribing so that you do get alerted when something comes yes. up? Yeah. yeah. So they're just not so, doing their service no. on your behalf? Well, now YouTube installed an, installed a new function called, um, there's a bell next to subscribe yep. um, to notify you when videos come up. Oh, but, so subscribe okay. and But the crazy bell. thing okay. is yeah. they're like, they're like, well, it's not trending. And I'm like, of course it's not trending because you're not putting it up. So here's what's going on. Like I use Facebook to promote. Uh, it's 40% of my viewership. By the way, for everybody listening, strap in. This is what's really going on, and I'll just tell you, all right? Um, Facebook disabled my Option Podcast um, account for violating terms and conditions that they won't tell me what the terms and conditions were. No, community guidelines. I, in my heart of hearts, didn't feel like I did anything right. I didn't say anything wrong. And if I, and if I say something that's a question of fact, um, I have a little box behind me, and, and I have a, like a, my own fact checker. So... Um, 
Wendy, we really know, kind of know what's going on as far as free speech is concerned, and free speech is okay as long as you can parrot some parrot um, what we call their free speech, right? Free speech is fine. Just got to say what we say, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know and, and and the question is, freedom after the speech is is, is the question of fact. But Facebook is forty percent of my viewership because um, I was attracting males um, from thirty to fifty-five. Right, Makes that's sense. Facebook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and right now, and this is my, I don't know, people might say F you, but this is an actual t- statistical fact. I am, still remain the most viewed volleyball podcast in the sport. You got Sandcast, uh, Triborn, Travis Murder, one of the nicest guys I ever met. I'm really cool, dude. I like you. Within the game, what's not to like about Aaron Wexler? Right, Wendy? Aaron yeah, Wexler's absolutely. pretty cool. Um, John Mayer. I mean, we just piling on the nice guys, aren't yep, we, today? Yep. So I have more viewership than the next three. All three of them put together. So number two, three, and four, however they, whatever week they want to do. I've been, um, I've had more viewership than that. So um, do have I used Facebook to pay promote some of the episodes? Yes, but those were only the guests that, um, those are only the guests that didn't have the star power. Like I, I got Theo Burner tomorrow. I don't need to promote that. He's got enough people following him. I had, you know, Sharif, you know, Sharif had 11,000 just watching the live version. So, but the, here's the most important thing for everybody listening. And then I'm going to let my guests talk or, or I might just delete this part and we just get to the guests. Um, the most important part is there's a category called through plays. Wendy's like, what's through plays, Jay? Uh, well, through plays are basically when someone clicks on it and they listen to it from the first second all the way to the end. Now, the average podcaster, and in fact, a lot of average YouTube, YouTube videos, um, through plays poll at about 23%. I'm 31%. I'm eight points higher than whatever. So the, the point, my conclusion is that when it's out there, people will listen to it more often than not. And more often than not, people will listen to the whole fucking thing, which saying which is saying a lot because I'm the only long form pot, uh, volleyball podcast, right? And when we were talking about people's focus the other day, like that's saying a, a lot, a lot. And yes, because yeah. we remember we were talking about attention yeah. span yeah. the last uh, yeah, uh, uh, on on the Optimist Journal. I think yeah. it's like it's it shrunk to you said shrunk to seven minutes, and I'm still looking for that. But I found eight to twelve minutes. But that's I mean, even if you're wrong, that's. St- and that's, I'm not saying you're wrong, but even if you were, eight to 12 minutes, that's the best we could do. That's not a yeah. long time. No. So, and look, the last time Wendy was on, on the show, we went two hours and 26 minutes. We ran, right? We ran out of tape. We did. We ran out of recording time. I, we had to make a decision to like uh, put another file in, another oh two hour and 26 minute file. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, the, the point I was trying to make is I just want to be put in a situation where I have a fair chance of. I, I don't need the trend. I'm not trying to force my product on anybody, but I, I will only say this. I will say that I'm eight points higher on through plays. Not three-second views. Through plays. Through but, plays meaning beginning to end. But why don't you tell them what your through play was on your um, research? Oh. All right. So here's probably what got me canceled. Look at her. She's like, come on. Get <laughs> to the good to part. It, yes. Get to the good part. So the I believe the episode in question was... Um, it was the first, I did one episode where I flew solo, no guest, and I called it free speech is not popular speech, which Wendy loves that title because mm-hmm. she's like, of course, you don't, like popular speech doesn't need protection, right? Uh-huh. Unpopular speech does. So, and I tackled, uh, I tackled it twofold, Whoopi Goldberg, 
saying that, that um, Nazis, the Nazi Germany or the Holocaust was not about race. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second one was Joe Rogan, about a nine minute video of medical misinformation or supposed uh, misinformation where I um, stopped anything that I thought he was lying and told the truth. I stopped the video and I had a box, like a Daily Show style box behind me that was um, fact checking everything yeah. on the spot. Oh, WHO said this. Oh, CDC said this. Oh, CNN had Walensky or, you know, um, director that said that. So. That's what kind of uh, got me in trouble a little bit. Um, but the viewership, but the through plays on that, and I think this is the part Wendy was trying to get to, the through plays on that was 66%. People want to know, and you take the time to do the research, not coming in from either political side. You take the time to be objective and do the research. People hang on for that stuff now because no one knows where to go to get the facts. Right. 66 so percent on not 66% on three second views three because wow. three second views are just total views because right, right. no, no one's going to watch your video for just two seconds right they're going to watch yeah. all three they'll probably get to like seven ah, where's kim kardashian's butt implants right <laughs> so um yeah so it's 43 points higher than than the average um video that people watch from beginning to end so wow. it's 43 percentage points higher well and i think as wendy said it's a it, people are searching that out, but I think that's a testament to how entertaining you can make that information, how simple you make it, how you fact check yourself. Um, I mean, I find whenever I log on to your podcast, like it's it's entertaining, and I think that that is you know a testament to you and the guests that you bring on. So um, I think with those two things, it's it's interesting to to talk about yeah. and to think about. Well, I wanted to make an episode that. Anything that was a question of fact, you know, because you, you, you do come into these podcasts with an agenda. Mm-hmm. When I have a fly, look, when I have a fly solo podcast, I'm not going to bullshit nobody. I'm not going to bullshit myself. I had an agenda. Mm-hmm. But just because I have an agenda doesn't mean that people can't have an, uh, an honest dialogue and an honest conversation. Just because I have an agenda doesn't mean my agenda hides the truth. In fact, for the people that know me, my bias highlights the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, maybe my facts, maybe I'm leaving some facts out or whatever. But the point is, I did the video to inspire conversation. Like my friends like, no, you know, nobody, um, nobody cares about Marjorie (laughs) Taylor Greene. She shouldn't count. She shouldn't use her as an example because nobody likes her. And I'm like, all right, cool. I got your opinion. Let's move on. So but I had great feedback from my friends who are on the left and on the right. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, And I'm really they got me to a point where I'm not. I'm not going to talk about politics anymore. I just I fucking surrender, dude. You know I don't. I don't want to. But that's a scary thing. Yeah. Because I. You want to know the other reason I think that your podcast is so viewed is that you really are authentic mm. to who you are, and you have zeroed in on this place like where you can talk about volleyball and current events mm-hmm. to bring those things two things together. That is unique to you. I mean, they're both co- topics that I happen to love, but. Mm-hmm. For you to drop the current events, political vein of your podcast, because the powers that be and you feel like they won. You you feel like they won. Yeah, but the power differential is too great. Like they're sitting there with they're pushing the button whenever they want to, and they can silence you. Like that is a horrifying thought as an American. I mean, Wendy, think about this, and this is why Whoopi is part of the good, the two part thing. When she got in hot water and got suspended from the View, all right. Not our favorite show, right? There's so many no. brilliant women in the United States of America. None of them are on The View, right? <laughs> Tim, Tim, Tim Dillon said that in 2020, and I believe yeah, him. I second that. Um, 
No, but I love me some Whoopi. I mean, who didn't like sure. Ghost, right? Did you like Ghost? You won yeah. Best Supporting? No. Have a nice Sister life. Act. Have a nice death. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, remember that yes, shit? Yes, yes. Yeah. No, but um, Joe, I knew would get blowback, and I wasn't going to go hard in the paint for Joe because I do that on my personal account. Sure. Um, so I, I just ignore it. But when Whoopi went on Colbert Show and said that um, I kind of get where people are talking about. It wasn't really an apology. She's like, I, okay, I kind of get where everyone's talking about, and I'll never talk about it again. And when she said, I'll never talk about it again, I was like, oh, God. It upset me so much because somewhere out there, and I'm black, my mom's black, my father's white, somewhere out there, there's going to be a black kid who raises his hand, right? And is going to be like, teacher, how did the Nazis know uh, who the Jewish people were to mm-hmm. round them up, right? Now, to people who are, who understand culture and race and how they mix with Judaism, uh, it's not a, it's not a legitimate question. But you have to understand, black people, as a, as a collective, uh, as as a majority, or if not a collective, have been put in a position by white people where they only identify race as pigmentation, <laughs> right? Yeah. And we and we all get caught up in it, right? Mm-hmm, sure. Like I look at Jeff Samuels, right? I don't, I don't think Dominican. That dude's that dude's a psychic blood brother from 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 Michigan, right? KJ Chris Johnson, that handsome as fuck, tall six <laughs> ten, uh, um, you know whatever one hundred ninety pounds one hundred ninety <laughs> pounds of freaking man meat, you know? Oh, I mean I mean, yeah. So that's just my way of saying black is beautiful, but. There, there's a good chance that those two people I talked about um, identify black with pigmentation. Mm-hmm. And the older you get, the more you're supposed to be like, okay, I get it. It's not. Jason's the whitest black guy I ever met, and he identifies with being black. Fine, he could be black. Um, but maybe Whoopi didn't get that. Yeah. Right? Whoopi's old school. Yeah. You know? Whoopi's old school. But maybe she did, right? She literally changed her name to Goldberg because she knew... Um, Hollywood was was Jew- you know the directors were Jewish run. Her, you know what her real name is? Oh, I, I didn't. Tell me her real know. name. No. You don't know? No. no clue. Karen Johnson. She's a Karen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a pretty good. Yeah, I know. Oh, wow. Oh, Whoopi's a Karen. Wow. Uh, well, C A R Y N. Karen Johnson. Okay. So she wanted to name herself Whoopi Cushion, and then her mother. Um, Told her Whoopi Cushion, stu- yeah, Whoopi, because yeah. Whoopi Cushion yeah. would have gotten like a lot of uh, views and yeah. this and that. I mean, she would have broken the internet if the internet existed if she right. had that back then. But um, yeah, her mom was like, "No, Goldberg, Goldberg's gonna get you in the door." And they find out you're black, they gotta audition you. And then when they find out you're good, they don't care if you're black. So. Um, great strategy by her mom, and and wow. and I don't know what the demographic of directors and producers or or little little freaks out there that want girls. You know, <laughs> you want to make it big? Come sit on my lap. I don't know how many of those those people are. Right? It was um, who was it? Weinstein? Yeah. Harvey Weinstein was yeah. that was that the freak? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not good. So, oh. So I wanted, I didn't mean to open up with that. I, we, we wanted to talk about club, like fun, fun. <laughs> we wanted to talk about fun things at club. Maybe we'll yeah. talk about some drama on club yeah. and this and that. But I wanted to be very, very candid. And if, the, if this portion stays up on the podcast, I'll leave it up. And um, for, for people seeing me fading into a new subject, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Wendy, thank you, because you inspired me to talk about it. And that wasn't my original plan to talk about it. But Good. 
Um, Facebook, I actually got to talk to a human being and they told me to confirm my identity because Meta took over Facebook. Mm -hmm. And whenever there's topics of controversy, they want to make sure it's not a bot. And I got caught up in the bot storm. That's what I think happened. There wasn't, did you see the video? Yes. did, is there anything in there that uh, that was uh, uh, untruthful or like a lie? Um, it's definitely controversial. If if you go in already not liking someone, but why is it controversial? To me, like people think it's controversial because it's a difference of perspective or a difference from what the mainstream media is giving to us. Like, and perspective, I think whether you're talking politics or coaching club or your own other workplace, perspective is a big thing that I feel like a lot of people lack just the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes or understand why someone would think or feel or act a certain way differently than you and that has to do with your background your experiences and and what led you to this point so that's my thing is I just like to hear perspective so when people are being silenced because their perspective is different or it's not the popular one like to me that's just wrong Definitely. So. Let's let's seat you a little bit this way in front of that mic. Uh, we, we want an honest. Um, uh, uh. We want. I want you to stare at that mic and see love. Okay. okay? And that's love. and that's as Here far as I'll go with that. Okay. I mean, because if anyone knew how this podcast started, <laughs> they're Just like, man, y'all a bunch, y'all a bunch of freaks in this room. Man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's especially you, Wendy especially Jones. You should me. be ashamed. <laughs> You're the one that's supposed to know. She's supposed to be the mature one in this room. And I think we all agree unanimously, right? Yes. Is, is she not? Yes, she's the yeah. angel here on earth. That's she for really sure. is. Angel. Yeah, I like that. Thank definitely, you. definitely sent from above. Well, it um, keeps us. It keeps us on the better side of things, right? Yeah. Like yeah. if we have friends like this, we can. Fucking right. She's right. <laughs> we gotta have the you good people around so, so that we can keep being ourselves. Yes. <laughs> I don't yes. want anything different. I'm just doing the same thing. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's avoid the freaky shit and let's talk about club. <laughs> All right. Club volleyball. And actually, let's leave out the names of the freaks of the people involved in club. Right. So, yeah. I mean, we're not going to do that today. Yeah. Are we? No, we're not going to nope. do that. No, no, no. High level conversation. Ah, high level <laughs> conversation. Let's go. <laughs> so. I, I'm going to go across the room and we're going to start clockwise. So clockwise is like a clock. That's me. That's her. That's her. Um, Wendy, give me one thing as a mom or a coach, because we're both coaches or, 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 and parents uh, yep. in, in the club community. Yep. And and you know this topic is unavoidable because California and these people, these zip codes, they, the sun rises and sets with club here. You know, it's, <laughs> No it's, doubt about it's, it. It's, it's like football <laughs> yeah. in Texas. Yeah. Um, so, Wendy, one thing that you like about the beach, having your kids play beach as opposed to indoor? Or not you. We're talking about club scene. You already have two kids that graduated. So let's look back retrospectively. Give me one thing that you liked about beach more than you liked indoor. Well, from a personal perspective, I had energy left after a beach tournament versus coming home from an indoor tournament and feeling like I wanted to crawl into bed. (laughs) That being on the beach is hands down energy creating, not energy sucking. (laughs) Yeah, your turn. Um. Well, personally, I can get beach tan on the beach. 
Yeah. I can get tan while I'm out there coaching. Yeah, um, damn, girl, you look white. Yeah, because I've not been on the beach in a while. You I've been put fingerprints on chalk. <laughs> I did get to lay out for an hour yesterday with a little bit of time while it's been nice and warm, but um, definitely being in the sun, I think, is good. Um, what I like better than indoor. And then the other thing, too, is just the concept of having you and your partner. So there's a higher sense of accountability and responsibility, like because you're touching the ball every other contact rather than indoor where it's like you could go a whole three or four plays without touching the ball if you're in a specific position. So for me, like, honestly, I have enough answers. We can go, we can go around the room like three times and come up with like nine <laughs> yeah. different answers. But for me, I, um, if I make it around the room the second time, I'll just, I'll just say this first. Um, you mentioned the parents are chiller. Yeah. And the parents don't come home exhausted from indoor. There's a, there's this level of exhaustion of having parents having to concentrate on indoor. And I call it um, this. We don't have parents on the beach that behave like 90s rappers. All right. Walking around angry at everybody all the time, mean mugging people and shit, you know, where uh, you, to a point you got to pull them to the side and be, and, and you got to talk to them like, like, like NWA, relax, you've won, <laughs> right? You've, you've won. <laughs> um, so I like, you go from indoor where parents are like, score where's the score or you know when's my score's kid, wrong when's my, when's my kid gonna play which is gonna which we'll we'll, we'll explore uh, as well to a mom who's sitting on a beach chair she's not she's not sitting on this hard bench her tail ass on the end of a hard bench right um have to wear have to bring a cushion with him no she's in a beach chair she's not ordering 16 dollar lunches that taste like shit she brought her own food she might even have some wine in the bag she's got <laughs> she's got chicken fingers for her kids she's got sweet potato fries and she's asking her kid do you want some fries and the kid's like no mom leave me alone she's like okay cool you know so and I really like the beach because of that. So, yeah. Wendy, let's go around the room because you're going to defend beach more than you defend indoor anyway because you're beach biased. So, For give sure. me something else. But that's because I I wasn't a beach player growing up. So, I look at it like I, I cannot believe the mecca my kids have gotten to grow up in. And I can't tell you how my happiest Mother's Days were the days that my kids were playing beach tournaments and I would go watch them. There's always a Mother's Day beach tournament. And I loved that being my day. And I remember a couple of them where Lauren and Luke were both playing and I would just trudge back and forth to try to catch as much of both of them as I could because the environment's so great. And then the other thing is, as a beach player that didn't get here till 2013, like learning the beach game, my kids quickly surpassed what I knew about the game. So I'm always trying to grab something from them or from one of the players on the play. If I can pick up one or two things from that, even that level, I pick up something I take out and have have fun with when I'm playing. So, right. yeah. You what do you think? Cosine, you got something else? Uh the of why I like beach more than indoor? Well, we're going to go indoor more than beach next. Oh, indoor now? No. One oh, more. We're still No, I don't think I have anything else. I I've not done a lot of coaching on the beach recently because I've been um busy with indoor club teams and private lessons, but mm -hmm. um 
but yeah, I think that's that's okay. all. I've had fun playing. Yeah. Yes, yes, I have <laughs> been able to play a little bit more recently with some right. moms in the community and stuff. So that's nice. That's my one of my outlets. Nice. I'll go one more because it's more like introductory to what we can we can carry further. Um, there's no bench on the beach. Amen. Um, one of the biggest qualms for parents in Doran, and she's smiling. Look at this girl right here. It's like, mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you you can take the reins on this because we're going from alto to indoor on this. But no bench on the beach. Parents, maybe eight out of ten parents are convinced that their kid is actually better than they, than they really are. I'll say that again because I said that I, I kind of dragged my voice like I, I wasn't kicking the door down on that. Parents always think their kids deserve more playing time, um, partly because they're paying a lot of money. I'm investing a lot of money and my kid doesn't even get to play or whatever, And um, depending on the club, right? Because mm-hmm. some parents go in, it's like, your kid's just a practice player. He's never going to play. Yep. He's just here to practice with the best. Shut yep. up. Um, right? And so that depends on that club. Yep. But then... There is this inherent belief that my kid can do that. My kid can do what that person does. My, you know, the, the parents I test um, convinces them that their kid's better than they are. And a lot of these parents aren't parents that don't know the sport. Correct. You know what I'm saying? It, it kills me when a parent's been like a former player and supposed to fucking know better. Like, And there's so many of them that you actually remember the good parents. Mm-hmm. Because the good parents are, are, are the ones that leave a memory. Because, Wendy, are, are they few, fewer and far in between? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, before you answer that, the club I'm coaching now does not apply to you. It's the best group of parents I ever had in my life. And Wendy knows awesome. I'm not, I don't say that to suck up to people. I don't, because I don't do that. But go ahead. Well, I think one of the things that um, we've realized lately, um, and I'm not sure why this didn't occur to me in the past, is that when you're happy with something as a parent, it's really, really important to let the coach or the club or the players know how happy you are um, with what's going on. Because I think we've gotten into an environment where either coaches or clubs only, administrators only hear when someone's upset. And the people who are happy are just going about their lives being happy. And the thing is, like, in the current environment where some of the things that you're describing, Jay, where, you know, the parents think that they know more than the coach, they're, those are the people that are speaking up. And the parents who are happy aren't saying, like, the coach is doing a good job. My kid did this last week and she couldn't do that before. I saw this, you know, moment of confidence or whatever it is that... If you see a coach bringing that out of your kid, speak up, because I think that's really, really important. Um, and as a parent, I just think, I know everyone says it, but let the coach coach. Well, and I think you said, you you know, there's no bench in beach, and then you quickly touched on the parents and what they think. And I think the biggest thing, you know, I mean, I'm not a parent myself. So that's one thing that I can't speak to, like being a parent and putting myself, I can, the best I can do is, is try to gain perspective, like I've said. And from my experience dealing with parents from the best parents, like Wendy, to the parents that I struggle with, is that awareness piece of how good is my kid actually? What is this coach trying to teach my daughter or give to my daughter or son for their life? And, and how can I support that development 
you know, even if I don't agree all the time, how do I support it? And, um, and I think that's, you know, a great thing about beach is, yeah, there is only two people. So maybe that's why it's a little bit more of a relaxed situation is because, you know, your kid is going to play like true. You're always going to, your kid is always going to play in these beach tournaments. And so therefore there is no playing time issue. Like your kid's either going to play ball or they're not. And that's up to your kid not even the coach because most of the juniors on the beach, they don't even have coaches that can coach during matches. Right. Like it's like timeouts. You're not allowed to. Right. Right. So it's like in between matches, you're getting some feedback or you should have a game plan going in and you try to execute that game plan based on what your coach gave you. But indoor, you know, there's a team of 12 and there's seven starting positions, including a libero in most program or most teams and systems. And then that, that leaves four or five kids that, either have to earn it or have to prove themselves or have to get better. Like, and so that awareness piece of, you know, not trying to a dictate to your child, what your child wants, because oftentimes the kids are happy. If you just let them be happy, it's when you start to meddle as a parent and don't communicate effectively. I think that you get into some turmoil from my experience. That's, um, I think you you echo the sentiments of a lot of coaches that experience uh, similar things, right, Wendy? This this all sounds like familiar territory to you too, right? So yeah. Um, well, and I do think it takes time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like uh, one a season is not that long, right? <laughs> I mean, seasons go fast, but when you get a team together and you pull it, it's going to take you the first couple of tournaments to figure out. You could, you know, there might, there, sometimes there's a huge range on a team. Sometimes it's not all that different. Mm-hmm. And you don't know how kids are going to perform under pressure or in different game scenarios or if one kid needs to be moved, you know, to the right or to the left. I mean, like, you, it takes some time. So where is the grace in the process for the coach before that relationship becomes antagonistic to figure out how the team is going to compete the best together. Cause that's another thing that you, again, going from beach to indoor yep. and at a junior level of development, like some kids make huge strides in Fast. short term, a p- period of time. And some kids are going to take longer, but we've all seen between 14 and 18. If the kid stays with the game, the amount of improvement that can be made with various different coaches, if you stick with it, and have a positive attitude and are a good teammate and have all the fun that you get to have traveling around the country. I mean, the whole thing is a privilege. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just, again, it's perspective. I think the other question is, because we already covered the parents, um, not ad nauseum because we can go all day. This is, this <laughs> is, this is, this is, yeah. f- that's a five hour podcast um, because and and we can definitely tell some stories about parents without actually outing some names. Mm-hmm. My my first year at Evolution, there was a kid like that, um, and the parent um, pulled him from the team. And you know it was weird. Like the one that actually wanted to stay on the team was the kid. You know what I'm saying? So you feel like the parents holding the kid hostage. This my first year with Evolution. This is Duncan Avery mm-hmm. and Duncan Avery. Let me tell you something about that guy. Duncan Avery has your back. Unless you shot someone, like if he hires you, he has your back. 
he's not going to hire you and doubt you. And That's and I already important. yeah. When I came here, I already had a pretty good indoor resume coming in. So he yeah. asked, he's like, shit, you could just pick pick your age group. So I picked the 16s, and and there was a kid. Like, here's the cool thing. This is on. You were formerly with SCVC. We might we might get and we'll get into that later because we have to. Well, I'm of, still with SCVC. Oh, I, cool. I coach a 14s team with them. All right, currently. cool. Yeah. Nice. So, oh, so that is a whole another story then. But um, so unlike some of the clubs. Evolution has a policy that every single player gets in a tournament gets to play one entire set. Okay. Guaranteed one entire set. So my personal policy is anyone that wants to play more than that one set. Well, first of all, we can have a conversation. I'm like, you can play parts, all, all six matches that accumulate to one set. Mm-hmm. Or if you just want to play one whole set, I could do that. And you set the rest of the fucking day. But, um, meritocracy and practice earns you that that one plus set and i really like this policy and a lot of look a lot of the kids join evolution because they weren't good enough to get on rockstar scv so now like wait my son joins this club they'll get more touches and then here it's comes huge. here comes this pain in the ass guy with a yankee hat that's like no your kid's not even good enough for this team to, uh, to get those touches so so i mean there, there's that go ahead well but i think that that also brings up a point that like each club has their own policies and procedures or approaches to teams. And that needs to be a clear directive to your coaching staff, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, that, you know, whether, okay, you're playing this team to win top 10 in the region and go get a bid and try to win JOs, or is this a team where everybody's going to play a set, you know, or is it somewhere in the middle or everybody gets to play or, you know, is it AYSO or is it play to win? And and in my opinion, when two things happen. One, as the team comes together, you evaluate their talent, where they're at and where they could potentially go in the span of the season. And then two, um, you know, what does the club, what's the club's goal for that group? And then you and then you approach the team and the practices like that. And but the merit is so important to me, whether you're in a play to win or whether you're in an AYSO type, like you are still trying to instill characteristics of work ethic and integrity and honesty and accountability and responsibility, all of those things. And you can have your own way. For me, I use a a thing called a cauldron and it's something that USA Volleyball has used. I learned it from Gold Medal Squared and it's basically a, a it's a Excel spreadsheet that inputs all of the points earned in a practice, passing points, kill points, match set points. And it's supposed to show you the kids that are winning in practices. And in theory, those are the kids that are the best on your team. So they should be starting and then vice versa. And how you work that is it funnels every, so I like to use the most recent two weeks. Okay. So I have a a snapshot of what the whole year looks like from day one to day hundred and then I also have a small snippet of who's performing the best right now as we lead into a tournament and that often is a different group of top seven or eight based on how they're improving throughout practices so Mm. even if those top seven at that time are not the best seven by eye test right I don't believe in the eye test I do but go ahead so um (laughs) so if even if that is the group by eye test well by merit this is going to be the starting group going into this tournament. And then maybe we filter out to the eye test based on how those kids perform. But 
my opinion is you need to have everybody working hard to get better, to make the team better. And how are you going to do that unless everybody feels like they have a fair shot? I, and I like that because it creates a competitive environment in practice, right? And Karch Karai said, treat practice like it's a game. So this way, yeah. when a game comes, it feels like practice, right? So <laughs> we start echoing the sentiments of all of these people that were great before us. And hopefully <laughs> the people after us can transcend it and, and um, echo echo that sentiment, if not parrot that information. Um, but what's missing in the generation is those same people that preach that also have the eye test. <laughs> Those things don't exist. These things, guys, these things don't exist. On uh, um, there, there's no successful, completely successful program that where, um, where one or the other mm-hmm. doesn't exist mutually. Uh, a yeah. a Karch, uh, he he ain't gonna. He might not admit this, but you can't help it when you're older than to have an eye test. Uh, my thirteens, right? Um, my libero, I have two liberos. I got mm-hmm. three now because the girl that joined our team was so good. It's worth it was this. It was worth carrying three. <laughs> she's just so, and she's and the team likes her because you know sis, you know how important sisterhood is, which we'll get into. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So one of my kids had COVID. She was gonna be my starting libero. The other girl couldn't pass. You know the broadside of a barn. He couldn't even pass free balls. You put her in this game. She was player of the tournament. <laughs> she's player of the tournament. We. I don't look. I have the developmental team. I have the flow twos for thirteen, mm-hmm. but we were we're we're undefeated in every tournament except the PBL qualifier because because on our, on our level tough. our yeah. developmental team. Well, yeah, we we just missed the cut. Yeah, and our flow one won the, they won the whole qualifier. Right. So they're they you know that's a team that's been together. But but I will tell you those hard driven balls, tips, free balls, down balls. The girls are machines, and and sometimes the numbers will show you. The more she touches the ball, the better she gets. Because in practice, I mean, we really these kids really got to value it. Even in practice, you really got to value your touches. Because mm-hmm. there's there's only a handful of coaches that have like a drill book where everyone's moving and, and touching a ball as much as they can. There's only a handful of coaches. I'm one of those coaches. That's why I would say you me too. you will not see me. You will not see any of my practices with a, girl, a bunch of girls online with Standing their hands on their line. hips. Waiting oh, no way. Worst. They're running, they're moving, they're doing something. Always, yeah. Something so, positive, learning. Yeah. I mean, I only do that if there's a teaching moment. Yep. Because we, we can't have people getting better at doing it the wrong way. No. Why? No, because club. Get good at being bad? Why? No, but club on a general level is not a, a should not be about winning. Club on a level should be taking about taking a technique that you were taught, whatever high school program, and, and you exercise that technique. And, and me, for the most part, if a certain high school coach has a kid doing it a certain way, I, I'm not. I'm not going to be the one to, on, on my pompous horse to, to tell him whatever, unless. Like, come on, we do have some obvious as obvious. I'm like, I don't give a fuck what your coach says. And you know, yeah. you got to, you know, you got to hold your platform. Right. The, the, I'll give you an, uh, an example. There's a great debate about midline passing versus okay. um versus this and that. Okay. Karch is not a midline passer. And you know what I say? Good for him. Good for you, dude. Oh, got you a gold medal. But sooner or later, you got to get around the coaching. And he did. And now he understands that. That it's still his philosophy, but he ain't. He, you you got to stop shitting on it because you're not the only gold medalist. There are other people that won gold medals, right? Well, and again, like you don't you don't fix something that's not broken. And there's multiple ways to get the job done. What midline, left, right? Like you teach what's best for the athlete. Right. In my opinion, you mm-hmm. try and you say, okay, we're gonna try A, B, and C. 
let me know. It's like when I teach a jump float. I say, okay, you're going to try the one-handed toss. You're going to try the two-handed toss. And then we're going to have a conversation about what you feel is more natural, what I believe is going to be better for you in the long run. I prefer a two-hand toss, but most kids nowadays, they like the one hand because they can't figure out how to load their arm after they toss. I'm with you. So I'm like, okay, that's look totally his, fine. Look at his hands. Well, I mean, look, it's not like I, I, I can't do the one-hand toss. I, I could cover my whole face with one hand, right? Talk, <laughs> when, dude, when I tell someone talk to the hand, that's a threat. <laughs> all right? <laughs> all right? <laughs> like, oh, are we going to fight right now? <laughs> no, no, no. It's just a hand. Just a hand. No, but I, I, I like that. And yeah. uh, Wendy, what, at what point does um, taking over a kid's technique that contradicts a high school coach. Like you had Luke Turner, you have a son at Stanford, you have a daughter. I will a, tell you how you much, daughter. how far I've stayed out of my kid's volleyball technical skills game. All right, good. Not. All I right. do not comment on technical no. aspects of their game. Well, that, I ask them questions right. to learn things. Mm -hmm. I do not. I, they, they're, they so they passed me for a long time ago, and they've had great coaches like Ashley that <laughs> taught them what they know. And, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Since you're not doing that, how yeah. much does the coach that you trust come into play? That's that's a very high percentage. I truly believe that the parent's job is to know enough about the coach that they trust their child's um, physical and emotional well-being with that person. And beyond that, let the coach coach. I'm, you, you pay yeah. this money. You drive them to practice. Your kid's spending all that time there. Why would you do that if you don't fundamentally trust the person that they're going to spend all these hours with and you put that you you know that that gives you're trusting the club you're trusting the coach look for the signs listen to your kid but the conversation most often when you get involved it seems like it's hard to keep a a, a protagonistic relationship between coach and athlete if the parents getting involved and when often the parents not there, I've also never been a parent that wanted to watch practice. Like I, that was a really foreign thing to me when I got here. I was like, you guys really in New want York, to it in? is too, right? It's like that New was York, not I, for my generation. That didn't happen. The fact no. that that needs to be like that has to be like a thing, and that has it's to, a whole room. Yeah, right? it's a whole room full of parents. That so, is yeah. so foreign. It's so. No. I don't know. I mean, there was always something else I could get done while my kid was doing their thing, and so. Does it, I had this conversation with Ashley though, does it hurt when your kid is struggling? Yes. That's the hard part about being a parent. Right. To watch your kid struggle is hard. But yeah. what they're going to get from that struggle, I'd rather have them struggling here on the court in sports than out in life, you know, 10, 15 years later when they've never learned how to struggle and come home and be supported. Now, if they say, you know, the questions, what can I learn? What can I need? What do I need to do to, to be better to get into the starting lineup? How, why did I get pulled off the court? But you teach your kids to ask those questions. That's not the, that's not my, I'm not going to ask those questions. God damn, Wendy, that's awesome, dude. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, watching your kids struggle, again, I don't have my own kids, but you know, it, it can be painful. It's, it's tough, but also Very like if you've already established that trust 
in the coach, like what better place for your kid to struggle and go through these growth moments in a place that's safe and secure. And you know that that person, like, you know, I mean, me as a coach, I look at myself as an extension of the support system for the child, right? Like, and my job is, is not always to make the kid happy, but to put them in situations where they can learn, whether that's be comfortable or uncomfortable, let them know that they can come talk to me. Yeah, it might be scary the first time as a 14 year old to come talk to your coach about why you're not playing, but eventually they're gonna need to advocate for themselves and I mean, I can't tell you how many times as a college coach, I've sat in an office and a kid and a parent come in and the parent is doing all the talking. And I'm like, okay, well, can I hear from your child now? Cause like, cause that's the kid, that's the person, the human that I'm going to be working with. Like, yeah, do, do I want you to be supportive and us be on the same page so that you know that I have the, what's best interest for your kid at my heart, at heart. Yeah. But your kid, this is going to be your kid's experience. This, it's what your kid wants out of it. And if if they can advocate and learn how to speak, even if it's uncomfortable, they're going to start to be comfortable in those situations and then grow and lead and, you know, learn how to be a, an adult, a productive adult, I think. Um, I, wow. You know, I promise everybody listening that <laughs> I, I didn't... Um plan like the protocol of how this conversation was going to steer but this all of this was supposed to come to my next topic holding club coaches feet to the fire you some of you uh, should i be not nominated i'll stop um parent trust and having parents believe that they're the best care their kid deserves more playing time there's this level of frustration and the level of frustration doesn't doesn't only generate from a parent's ego for what they, their kid is but something you're talking about being explicit in conversation about what you expect from the coaches and what the coaches expect from the parents and the kids all right so with that being said where's my camera do your fucking job do your fucking job. If you don't want parents asking all these goddamn questions, they wouldn't be, some of you guys, they wouldn't be asking all these questions if you covered your fucking P's and Q's, all right? Some of you guys, you're good players, and you're like, oh, I think I want to be a coach and make some extra money. Oh, I'm a great player, so of course I'm going to be a good coach. I had this conversation with Miles Evans. He, the guy always approaches me happy and Lee's fucking miserable, and I don't mean to do that to him, Aww. you know? <laughs> So, all right, I'm going to tell the story because it's said way and, yeah. and it's logically connected. So he's out there and he's been coaching privates and he's, there's one particular guy he's been working on. And I just think Miles is doing such an awesome job. And I'm like, man, I got the dude's holding this platform. He looks like a regular player. And he's like, wow, yeah, I'd like to think with all this playing experience that I'd, I'd be a good coach. And I said, um, it doesn't mean, and I said, it doesn't mean shit if you can't communicate it. Mm-hmm. There, I said, there are people that are better than you, the better players than you. That you're, but you're, but and yet, but yet, the way you're communicating, the way you're changing people's lives, kids, adults, or whatever, you seem to be winning in that department, which is why I brought that to your attention. And I understand playing, you know. So I said, I said something stupid at the end, like, because it sounded like I was insulting him. I said, look, I said, as far as communicating coaching to to the parents, to the players, to the clientele, and them getting better, we could have that conversation. But I said, this whole gladiators in the arena bullshit, you're going to have to miss me on that one, okay? Because you can't, we ain't talking about playing. We're not talking about, you know, I you sacrificed all this time that made you a good player. I'm not fucking talking about that because mm-hmm. it's not about you. And this is where a lot of these, these coaches, and, and I got to highlight the club scene because in these five zip codes, 
the sun rises and sets. Yep. Uh, uh, with this whole club thing. Motherfuckers wearing SCVC underwear to bed, for Christ's sake. You know, I mean. <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe. Do they have SCVC underwear? <laughs> I've not seen it in the, in the online store, but maybe. Do I have to delete, delete the part where it says, let me see your underwear? <laughs> I mean, this ain't Howard Stern, girl. I'm not, you ain't baiting me into asking that shit. Um, but I guess what I was trying to say was, um, that was Miles. And I hope I hope the next day he kind of got it because I'm I always sound like hater Jay because I'm always trying to keep shit real. I, I didn't want to do that because he's such a you ever met Miles? Oh, yeah. He's such a good natured individual. And I didn't mean to, yeah. to say, like, I don't want to hear this gladiators in the arena shit because you've been hearing it a lot <laughs> and you hear it so much to a point where you have to say, shut up. Gladiators did not uh, make money when they won. They got to live. <laughs> Okay, they got to live until the next time they might live or die. You're not a fucking gladiator, unless you're unless you're in a combat sport <laughs> where you literally think you're gonna die, or unless you're yeah. like an amateur yeah, yeah. that's on center court playing Phil when Phil's about to jump and you think you're gonna die. Yeah, okay. There's the gladiator, there's, right? There's a gladiator exception, right? For sure. So, For sure. so you have something you want to say, so I want you to just interrupt because it's fresh in your head about well, what I was talking well, about. Well, I think you're you hit something. Very important is that, and especially in this area, right? Volleyball, royalty, community, it's family. But, and and Miles, you know, I don't know him as a coach. I kind of know him as a player. But I do also agree that not every great or good player is a good coach. Like, because of that. Look at Jeff Nygaard. <laughs> Hold up. Yeah, yeah, I said it. <laughs> Look at Jeff Nygaard. USC. Six seasons. He's on season seven. He's had two winning seasons. He's a, he's a two-time Olympian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For a school that's supposed to... What? You think USC has problem recruiting? Mm-hmm. No. Sorry. Sorry. Shit. Go ahead. Um, oh, but, like, you know, and, and me personally, like, I, I was a late bloomer to volleyball. I went to Maricosta my freshman year, moved to Bakersfield and went to school there and then went to a division two college. And, you know, I didn't get a national championship. I don't have this big name. My family didn't grow up playing volleyball, but I learned from some of the best, like Scott Davenport, who's one of the best beach coaches in the entire world. He was my so indoor, him. he was my indoor volleyball coach in college and yeah, indoor and beach, not completely the same, but what it takes to teach and lead whether you're indoor or on the beach is the same skill set so mm -hmm. i learned a lot from him in that sense and to me like that leadership the leadership qualities the ability to communicate the ability to assess where a kid is at meet them where they're at and take them with you and not just one kid but the entire team you know that's one of the things i like about indoor more than than beach is i do really enjoy that team concept getting 12 individuals to work together for the same goal the same method you know what you know what we're learning and trying to accomplish and um so just because i don't have a big name or a big d1 you know background like I still think I can coach with the best out here. Yeah. Like I do. I have confidence in that. But yeah. you gotta give me an opportunity to, there it is. to hey. communicate and explain myself and answer your questions if and when they arise. Yeah. I've seen it. And a lot of your your life story plays into that. I mean, being the oldest of five kids, like learning how to lead from a young age, learning how to be a little bit different and think outside the box. Yeah. Like all of those things. It's not just 
and frankly, those are my favorite parts of the game. I yeah. mean, the, the, the sport as a segue into the game of life is what I write about and think about all the time. And she and she rolled the answer back. Remember, we were supposed to talk about what, what we liked about indoor over the, uh, over the <laughs> yeah, beach? Yeah, there we go. She, we, yeah. got, we got an all-in-one yeah. from this girl, man. <laughs> all welcome, rolled up welcome. in one. <laughs> Way to take him back on point. Like, <laughs> back, back, circle yeah. it back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I just wanted to say something funny since we, we, if, if we can jump yeah, back yeah. on that. This is the one thing I like about indoor Morden Beach. Because right now I've turned into a beach guy. But when, you know, when Jason Allen says go, uh, go we got to go. So, cameraman, my car is clean. <laughs> no sand. My car is clean. I meant to actually take a picture of it for the podcast so I could just put it up. You know, whatever and this and that. But... But my car is clean. I got a clean car. Now, uh, the reason why I brought it back up is because you can talk about the intricacies of play running um, and how indoor volleyball is like this art form. When you you're, when you when you look at someone's blocking scheme, so right? Is is the middle moving with the thirty one or is the outside? Are they going soft zone or is the middle going to follow them? Do I you know if the middle follows them? Do I do I run thirty one off a bick? You know uh, like a bick or a front or even just a front two? Mm-hmm. Or do I run thirty one go because of the outside blockers picking it up? Never mind. Never mind the. the five ball or red and all that stuff so there's something really beautiful about uh, um just developing these kids into highly intelligent problem solvers in in the 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 indoor sport we call volleyball you like that problem solvers man i tell my kids all the time i say look like and and i think the education system is is doing a disservice we can bring this back around to politics but you know, I, I don't think kids are being taught to think critically and problem solve anymore in our schools. And so they show up to practices and, and they kind of just expect to go through the motions and not really think that much. And it's like, you know, I tell them at the beginning, there's going to be times where I give you the answer. But there's going to be more times more often that I'm going to let you struggle and try to figure it out. Or I'm going to put you in a drill and I'm going to give you three rules and the rest is up for grabs. So when you ask me, oh, can we tip in front of the 10 foot line? Okay, well, did I tell you not to? I like that. Okay. Yeah, I am. Um, Find a way to win within please, the rules. Please keep a mental note of that because we want, I want to talk about different approaches, coaching approaches, right? And yeah. I, um, I made a huge comparison on styles of theater mm-hmm. and how synonymous it was with styles of coaching. Um, cause in fact, I'll do that now. Cause I just didn't want to forget the, the portion where we have to talk about where coaches are responsible yeah. for the fucking parents behavior, yeah. because this isn't just a one way street We're we're all coaches and parents here. So we, we're a team. so, um, we no, but we always think about like parents being a pain in the ass, like kids not wanting to work, but we, I will not let this episode go by without talking about club co responsibility. Uh, I did my dump on Jeff Nygaard already, and and <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, I don't like the guy, and I'm, everybody's like, oh, Who are you to talk about him? I'm like, I'm a guy. I'm a volleyball guy who criticized a volleyball guy with volleyball. Man, the fuck up. All right. I didn't say nothing about his mother. I didn't say he doesn't. He should go live in a fucking log cabin. I didn't right. say he should go die off somewhere. And and you know what the crazy thing is. Those people are the always the first ones to criticize somebody else. They they have this list of people who are allowed to criticize and not criticize. Guess what? I'm that guy. So I just wanted to say that I'm that guy. Come see me. But um, here's here's an example of what I was talking about in theater because my degree is in theater performance. There's two two ways to move across the room, like 
Sanford Meisner, Stanislavski. All right, your daughter's in the theater, so yeah. she's like, uh, this is what I paid my money for. Jason asked me to show up. Limp my, I got a bad leg. I'm supposed to limp my ass up in this podcast. This is what I wanted to hear. So um, there's Sanford Meisner and there's Stanislavski where if you get up and move across the room, you need a reason to. Right? And then there's Michael Chekhov. Kind of an old school guy, not to be confused with Anton Chekhov. Anton is the playwright, you know, the seagull, um, mm -hmm. cherry orchid and all that mm -hmm. shit. Um, great playwright, depending on who's translating. But and, and we can definitely explore that because this isn't just this isn't just a volleyball podcast. All right. So Sanford Meisner, you get up, you need a reason to. What the mm -hmm. hell did you get up for? If you don't have a reason to stay there, you know. Right. Um, but Michael Chekhov is get up, go across the room, come back. Ah. I didn't feel shit. Go across the room again. Sure. Come back. All right. I'm feeling a little annoyed. Go across the room. Come back. All right. This doesn't feel natural. And all of a sudden it does. So there's a learning process about doing your scene, allowing yourself to make mistakes and allow it to, to self-correct organically. Mm -hmm. That allows you to perform on the stage more organically where it feels natural. Yep. Right. I'm talking about theater, not mm -hmm. not where you do like a set, a whole bunch of takes on a set. And that's a wrap. And that's your product until you die. And you got to live with the mistakes because that's it. I'm talking about you're getting paid to do 25 performances and people are paying their money. And they want to see that same fucking performance you did last week. Mm -hmm. And you have to have something that's on the same wavelength. Not exactly. Right. We're not machines. Right. We're people. Right. So I'm turned into more of a checkoff guy. All right, I was I'm old school. Get up and move across the room. Why? I'm just like, why? <laughs> why ain't in your vocabulary, motherfucker? Go. <laughs> so so um, so I went from that to a person that made them move and then explained why, and maybe it didn't make sense to them, but but they tr it was up there was still a blind trust that mm -hmm. comes with that old school virtue, but then there's something like run the drill. And you see some mistakes and, and you, you try to be careful with some kids who are sensitive mm -hmm. and say, hey, look, I like, I like, I like your thought process. But mm -hmm. here's, try this because there's a rule against that. And mm -hmm. try this and see how that works for you. And, and so now they're learning from something they tried off of something that they tried that didn't work and why it oh. works better. So memory, memory retention and there are studies out there, and I hate to use the word "there are studies" without actually citing the studies. But, but Wendy, <laughs> Wendy, you got two things. That are, you got two things that you got me on on that. Um, one is a parent's role in all of this. Two is there is a study out there. Um, I'm gonna kind of neurosciency. Kids, kids are natural learners. Kids, you put them in an environment, they learn by being around it, they learn by doing, they learn by listening, but they're natural learners. As our brains age and the neuroplasticity changes, as adults, we have to do rote repetition, repetition, repetition to learn something new. But if you put a kid in an environment where they are going to be around what they want to learn, they're going to learn it, okay? And to me, when I read that, what I realized and I've learned this through my own four, um, confidence. The parent's job is to bring a kid and put them in a place, to, is to instill confidence in that child so that when they come into that gym, they feel confident enough to learn. I watched this with my youngest um, during COVID because school was really hard for him. You put him in a social environment where, yes, he's absolutely, he can learn, 
but he's not feeling ultimately confident in that environment. So it makes learning even that much more challenging. Come home, get on Zoom, learn to communicate with your teachers without all the outside noise and having me there to say, you got this, you can do this more often than when I sent him off to school. That kid flourished. Like he went out, he was emailing his teachers when he had a question, he didn't have to hear from the guy in the back, why don't you understand or that's a stupid question or anything like that. So as the parent, our job is to instill confidence in the kids so when the athlete gets delivered to the gym, they are able to take advantage of that natural learning process that is theirs innately. Yeah. So, nice. Yeah. And that, look, and that's where the parent comes into play, but I, and and the cool thing is we all we all have three different perspectives that meet on this, and this, this, this magnificent common, and this, de- magnificent same, common denominator. The same can be said for theater, right? Right. Like if I've given my kid enough confidence to stand up on that yeah. stage, I'm like, holy cow, that's awesome. Now, it's, that's, to me, that's my only job. Right. Well, theater is different in a sense where once the play starts, there is no di- no coach. There is no director. There's yeah, no parents. There's like, just you and a shitload of people looking at you like this. You it's know? mind-blowing. You know what I would do when I perform? I would look at someone. And Chappelle does this a lot too for comedy performances. Yeah. I'd look at someone, you know, right in the eye. Almost to a point where they're like, holy shit, don't do that to me, you know. And I'd look at someone else. And I look at a third person and then I'm, then, I, then I'm just, then from there, I make it about my partner because I know there's a challenge for me as an actor to know when to take beats because you know I can run my fucking mouth and not, and not shut up and not have periods or commas. But if I'm going to say something that's scary, if I'm going to say something that's funny, um, even though organically in like real life situation, I keep arguing, I keep whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you hear people laughing for, the, for, for, for performing purposes, you have to take that pause and let them laugh. Yeah. Even though it's seen in real life, you're not, you know, it's not, it's not like, well, anyway, I was saying, what the fuck are you laughing at? You know, so yeah. it's not like, so, uh, but, but listen, this is where the, the coaches come into play. My last year at Evolution, COVID year, um, my setter was a skateboard punk. Not, and punk in an affectionate way. He just, he just liked to fucking do shit and whatever. Six one, handsome, his kid's name is Zach. His mom is Sarah Stratton. Sarah Stratton um, represented Australia 2000 Olympics for beach volleyball. And 17 years, I don't know what the hell this kid's doing. And he, he decided he wanted to play volleyball. But <laughs> there is a certain way. And Donovan Ivey was a 15 playing 17s. Brian Ivey's nephew. Brian Ivey's two-time Olympian too. And, um, and a killer Trojan. His, the father and the brother, they both played together. And that was a rock star team. That was... Green bomb or whatever, just just doing West Coast name dropping. Someone like me, but that but I respect that. But there's a certain way that they look at me when they pick me up, and the certain way they talk to me that I've coached club long enough where where they're like, if it's if Jason saying it, I'm I'm in. And you coach you fucking coaches out there, you coach long enough to know how a parent looks at you. If they look at you like they don't fucking trust you. You have to take accountability. You have to ask yourself, what do I have to do um, besides just my job? Because you figure if you just do your job, they see the work and the work and, and this and that. So my challenge is twofold. And I'm, I'm definitely tossing this back to you because you're, you're neck deep in this. When do you start recognizing yourself for what you are and what you're doing on the court that 
makes parents think that way. And two, I, which, uh, two I just totally forgot about, but um, two, my challenge is to make sure that you coaches present this environment. And they just came back to me because I'm old. Uh, that you present this environment where the kids want to come to practice. Um, I've been in some toxic environments. I've been co you co you coach in 21 years. You're going to have a couple of years that are toxic, and mm -hmm. and only looking back retrospectively, though it wasn't my fault per se. There were so many fucking things, Wendy Jones. There were so many fucking things, Ashley Clark, that I could have done to lessen the situation where a it didn't exist at all, or two. You see it coming a mile away beforehand, and hmm. you can and you can you can shut that shit down. All right, that is where the coach comes into responsibility. And if you coach club long enough, you can't look at the parents and say, "Oh, they're one of them." You have to think, "Am, am I am I a better me?" Mm -hmm. I'm. I talk, this this is the reason I don't. I promise I gave my word to God. And I'm going to go to hell because I'm coaching now. I gave my word <laughs> to God that I was never going to coach club again. I just didn't want the headache. But Jason handled this, the bells and whistles, the environment. I got to work with John Mayer, who's a different kind of coach. I got to work with Aaron Mansfield, who's totally different from him and John, even though you think they're the same. Um, I got to work with Dane a little bit. I got to work with Mario Trebich, who's my mentor, three uh, four-time Olympian, three silvers and a gold. With, with three different teams and take all of this and create this environment and I'm going to give you the mic in a minute and create this environment where the kid wants to come to practice because I've been in environments where the, I, I'm like this kid's like fuck I, I gotta go back you know mm -hmm. and they don't want to be there what the <coughs> hell um, I hope you made a mental note yes so making an environment that kids want to come to practice um First and foremost, in order to create that, I think it comes from your own personal experience. So even going all the way back to the why, asking why, I was that player. I was, I've always been very cerebral. I want to understand why I'm doing things, right? Because I'm seeing it one way and then you're telling me to do it this way. And I want to know why, because you're, you're the coach and, and, and I should be listening to you. Can but you I tell us that story that you saw in Wendy Jones where you, um, you, you, you were trying to understand the why? And, and you did it their way, uh, uh, um, whatever, just to... The, leader, the captain story? Are you talking about my captain story? Where yeah. I got demoted as captain in college? And then and then they he kind of ripped into the team and I was reinstated as the captain? No, there was about? something where you didn't understand how to do the drill, but you, you, were get, you felt like you were getting better at doing it the wrong way because you didn't oh. understand the why. That okay. was a great fucking story. And, so and in high school, I, my, one of my high school coaches had accused me of being uncoachable. And we were in a drill. I, I was a middle blocker at the time. I've been this height since I was, you know, eight or 14. So <laughs> put in the middle and then try to learn other things as I get opportunities. Um, but I was playing middle and I used to have a problem of, well, the set being low and having to swing low. And we were in a drill where it was a scrimmage. And if we lost, we would have to run. And it was like, to me, I hate running. I hate being punished, like the whole thing. That was it. Keep going. That was the, the story. The Go whole ahead. thing. So I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to be in a drill where I have to win or be punished for it, I'm going to win. And my coach would call me out and say, well, you're doing, you're swinging wrong. We want you to get your elbow high or whatever. And, and my, my response 
I'd like to think I was respectful back then, but probably not, was something along the lines of, well, I don't want to run. And doing this badly is getting me the results that I need in order not to run. So for me, I was like, if you want me to really learn how to do this better, we need to be in a drill where I'm not going to be punished for failing, right? Because learning is a, is a process. Yeah. And when you fail and you learn from your failure, then you can grow and learn and succeed more often. So like understanding why I should try to do that and then run, like I would never tell one of my kids that like, if, if I put a punishment on it or a consequence on a drill, like I want you to figure out how to win. And if you don't win this time, I hope you figure out how to win next time. And, um, but just, I mean, why in, in general, why would we commit block? Why would we run rotational defense instead of, you know, perimeter or base? And, and so, so me as a coach, I flirt that line of explaining why more, I mean, even to the point of like why we would meet 15 minutes earlier than later for a tournament. Cause you know, the, oh, we want to sleep, da, 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 da. Well, okay. Well, you guys have been late, so I'm going to say the time is here, and then maybe you'll get to when I actually want you here, or whatever the case is. Um, But going back to creating a practice where kids want to come back to, I've never, I don't think I have that problem. Um, I have great attendance at my practices, often we'll have a full squad be able to do six on six, unless there's, you know, an extenuating test or something, and I think that's because of the structure of my practices. My practices are, they know there's warm up, there's ball control. We're going to serve and pass every practice. There's going to be a skill development period where you're going to get to work on something that we've identified as a team that we need to get better at. That can be blocking, that can be tooling, that can be defensive systems, that can be reading our hitter, like whatever that is. And then, then they also know at the end, there's going to be a competition phase. So we go through the whole gamut, every practice of everything you need to know, skills, drills, education, IQ, and competition. And then, you know, back to the cauldron point, like my kids want to come to practice because they know if they perform and produce in practice, they're going to have a better chance of earning playtime. And I think that's very, very well thought out. And that, and that has a, such a heightened level of truth that a lot of coaches can, can co-sign with you. But that's not what I'm asking. Oh. No, I'm on to something a little deeper. Okay. Um, there are going to be some nights you want to come to practice, but you got to go. There are going to be some nights where you don't want to, where you want to go to practice, but, but you got to go. But the common denominator is you got to go. Your parents say you got to go. The coach says you got to go. You made this team. You, yeah. you, owe, you owe the commitment to everybody else who comes on time. So there's a structural thing where they feel they have to go. Do you see what I'm getting at? at, at um, and then, so you, for me, that's you. a frame of thought. That's a frame of thought that I would then teach them, you know, you don't have to do anything. Right. This is a choice that you make because you enjoy volleyball, because you love your teammates, because your parents are putting all this money in. Like, you know, when in college, when I was taught that, like, oh, I have to go to class or I have to go to work. Well, no, I choose to go to class so I can keep my grades up so I can play volleyball. Right. I choose to work so I can have money to put gas in my car and food on my table. 
Um, well, those things aren't really choices, are they? If 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 the consequence is your first chakra and your your survival, so so there, you know, like I can't choose to be black. I'm fucking right. black and I'm white. And you know, there's some things, right? If I don't eat, I'm I'm gonna I'm probably gonna die. So I can choose to die, but that's not a choice. I'm I'm I'm, yeah. the, I'm talking about basic mammal things. Um, but finish I, that thought. But I, I think I, what I'm you're getting trying, I'm getting somewhere else with this. I think you're trying to get to like making it an environment like a a mentally and like the sisterhood type right so like even on your worst days as a coach or as a player you know for me I go well this isn't about me I'm gonna go give my all to these kids because who knows what they're what they're struggling with or going you know going through but then when they arrive and I get that vibe that they don't want to be here or whatever to me that's a a learning opportunity or a teaching opportunity like hey or a connection opportunity too like What's going on? You're not yourself today. Like, is there something I can help you with? If you don't want to talk about it, that's okay. But know hmm. that I'm here as a support system if and when you decide you want to talk about it. Or you tell them, like, this is your safe place. This is a place for you to just let loose and let go of whatever that is that's bothering you. Even if you don't want to be here, I get it. But just try your best while you're here and maybe you'll feel better after you leave. But you're not going to know if you just hold on to whatever it is that you're, you know, ruminating yeah ruminating but it is at the same time it is our responsibility as coaches to be able to diagnose that and the only Mm -hmm. way we can diagnose that is if we're doing there's a camera we're doing doing your fucking job all right i can show a 13 year old the complexities of 31 front two or just or just an old school x right Mm -hmm. um a new discovery on how they dig and a technique that when they leave practice, they tell themselves, I didn't fucking sleep last night, coach. All I could think about was fucking volleyball. And, and, and that was all due because of me. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you create an environment where they leave, even exhausted, they get maybe they, let's say they got their ass kicked in practice, but they left learning something. And you're always as a coach able to heal with them. Or set up, like you said, the sisterhood mm-hmm. where they heal together. It's not a miserable place to be. No. It's not a miserable place to be. So if you if we take care of those things, when someone doesn't want to come to practice, now we can diagnose properly. Yeah. Now we now we can now we can talk about now we can know try to know what we don't know before mm-hmm. that girl came into the room. And this is where theater and volleyball separate. In theater, when you're on stage, well, it's a professional environment too, I mean, right? So we're, not, so we're talking about club volleyball and a professional, sorry. When you're on stage, no one gives a fuck if you had a bad day or not. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. Okay, uh, give me, I'll pay my money, all right, and this and that. And, then, and maybe that's where theater and, and this is a, a, a separate thing, unless you're, we're talking about high school theater, which we're not because I don't want to insult club volleyball kids by comparing them to that because, right? Because what's the one thing that that high school theater and high school club have in common? When you get to college, you get in the professional scene. Oh, I play for SCVC. So what? No, who, who gives a fuck? What's what's an SCVC? What what's an what SCVC? Is, what is right. yeah? What is a rock star? What does that mean to a guy from Puerto Rico who's actually who actually has your starting job? What does that mean on the world scene when you're playing overseas? You know when that kid's been playing since nine years old and and. 
you know, maybe had a different way he was coached, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe he considers you a wuss. You're, you're, you're getting your hand patted, man. I got, I, I, I got beat, you know, I got beat with a stick because <laughs> I didn't want to suicide well enough. So I think that was the point I was trying to make that I wanted to make sure we covered our bases. I'm not saying you're not doing that, but it's, it's this is, um, I'm trying to remind us that an audience is listening to us. So mm-hmm. we'd be remiss if we don't, we don't make that caveat too, Wendy. I got a story going through my head, um, and it goes back to, you know, the, the concept. I'm a huge growth mindset person, and and I think that for kids to develop a growth mindset, they really do have to be in a safe place. Because you were talking about the root chakra and like making sure that you have those foundational things in place so that you can grow, and that is really important. But um, I also am huge on the mind body connection. And the things that we learn from our bodies that also help our minds. And as athletes, I think that's a really easy thing as we grow to tap into. And I remember this conversation I was having with um, Carrie Walsh outside of jujitsu, I don't know, six or seven years ago. Our kids are taking the same jujitsu class. And she was getting ready to have her, I think, maybe six, fifth or sixth shoulder surgery. And I said, what about all the scar tissue? Because I'm sitting here with this cast on my ankle because I had all this scar tissue. And she goes, I'll be okay. She's like, you know, sometimes scar tissue is a good thing. And it kind of struck me. You're like, how? Again? Again? Why? (laughs) Because there are ways that we struggle. And we just, we, I took it into an analogy of like, when we go through hard things, we develop the scar tissue. If you are in an environment where you can be um, supported you can develop that scar tissue and get a little stronger. Right. And I do think that these juniors athletes are being put in positions to develop a little bit of scar tissue in a safe place. Like, yes, you're going to have a hard night at practice. Yes, you're going to get pulled off the court when you, you maybe you're just not connecting that day. And it's really hard. But better now than later because you are going to get better from if you have the self-awareness and the safety to grow and develop a little bit of that scar tissue right like that is a thing it is good to have a little bit of that gotta break an egg to make an omelet exactly (laughs) so you know and i remember i went back and asked her because i wanted to write about it a little more and i went back and asked her a couple years later i was like do you remember when you said that thing about scar tissue she's like i don't even remember saying it Mm. so i mean it it struck me in a way that i took it in in my own way but it's important like you do have to break an egg and watching our kids do that is not easy to do. But you got to go back to the practice. You got to go back when you're scared. You got to go back when you're tired. Yeah. Like, or you're well, never going to, you're not going to flourish. Consider this too, Wendy. The first time a kid has probably ever had to deal with a loss, maybe eight out of 10 times in their life. Do we, do we all agree majority cases probably have, it's probably in a sporting event? Yeah. The first, first loss, time a kid has to deal, deal with, with a loss. loss um, it's probably in a sporting event. It's that or losing their favorite teddy or blankie. Oh, shit. We should not. Yeah. Never just. Dis- Look at you. Uh, I mean, I'm just saying I've dealt with Do you it. Got, I was going to say, you got kids. another story you want to uh, tell. I mean, no, not necessarily, <laughs> but like just, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I had a, a kid crying at Chuck E. Cheese because he lost his uh, he lost his bag full of tickets. And I'm like, well, where did you leave it? And he goes, I left it right there. And I said. Yeah, someone took it because you left it, and and he was crying about it, and I'm just like, okay, 
Let's mm-hmm. get you another play card and you can go get all those tickets right back. But like, what are right. you going to learn from this? I mean, he's mm-hmm. 10. Yeah. But that That's... was nanny gig. But I mean, but it's true. So they're either losing something as a child. They like have no perspective on what's actually important or it's a loss in a game that they feel is important. Yeah, so that's, I think that's a very important thing that, that yeah. Wendy brought to light. I think um, if everything comes easy to you, it, there's, <laughs> there's really not a whole lot to build off. That's very, uh, again, yeah. like film, that's, very, that's like doing the very best part, like the entire film, you know, or, or, right? There's, right? If there's nowhere to, 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 to challenge or to, or, or to top off, then... How do you build confidence if you're not being taught to challenge up? Yeah. Well, and life is hard. So yeah. if everything's just easy and given to you for whatever reason, whether you voice your opinion or don't, like you're not going to have like your life's not going to be easier just because your parents have handed you what they handed you as children. Like your life is going to be in my opinion harder if you don't learn the lessons of loss, the lessons of work ethic, the lessons of well, you, you just didn't get the job done, so... And to me, it's not even a matter of if, it's a matter of when. There are some 100%. kids that go through yeah. their childhood all the way up to their 18th birthday. Some some get as far as 25, even 30. They're in a sheltered life. They, I mean, um, maybe the parent has genera- generational wealth, and they live in this bubble, and sometimes they come all right, they come out all right, right? It's, they're in this happy place all the time, and I'm just like... I had... But I, then you, you have a... a try to have a 10 minute conversation and you're like holy shit what have you not done i had a 19 year old on my junior college team in iowa who literally did not know how to use an atm machine because she'd only ever gotten cash from her father's hand oh wow yeah and th- and that's iowa so that's not even like we're not even talking south bay but we're talking midwest yeah literally yeah. did not know how to Scary. use an ATM machine. It's a flashing green light. Yeah. Yeah. And it gives you the prompts. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> as long but as you can it read, it goes okay. back to confidence. I'm telling yeah. you. Like figure it out. I remember there's a movie where um there's a rich guy at a bus stop. He's like, is this where you catch the bus? And he's like, yeah. He's like, well how do I call one? It's just <laughs> oh And the God. guy the guy goes <laughs> Just starts laughing. Oh my gosh! Well, how that, do I call one? And that confidence that you teach kids as a parent, like that's also what you look for in a coach too. Like, can is this somebody that's going to support my child and and help build their confidence? It's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be happy. But you know, is this in their in the coach's wheelhouse? I mean, I had a kid on my team in the last few years who had a who has an auditory processing disorder, and um. It, it took some time for the parents to talk to me about it. And it was really because I I reached out to them because I started to see some stuff in practice that wasn't quite, quote, normal, right? I started to see some delays in processing. And so I reached out and I was like, look, like I just want to make sure we're on the same page that I'm doing the best that I can for your kid. And that opened up the dialogue t- to gain an understanding of, where she's at, how we need to train her brain so that, you know, and, and, and her mom, she, she explained it, you know, you and I could walk through a cornfield and the, the first time we walk through it, it, we have the path. But for this kid, it takes 20 times to walk through it to, to make that path in, in her brain. And, and I was able to create, me and, and the other players on my team, 
were able to create an environment where it came to a head. So, you know, this kid was like, you know, I really appreciated that so-and-so was telling me this and telling me that and helping me know where to go. And it had been a couple times that she had said that, and this is a 17s club team, and most of them already kind of know where to go and the whole thing, but she needed a little extra help. Yeah, well, at that point, right? You learning a new that. position, too, at this time. I and mean, so I was she like, could be a skateboard person, but yeah. go ahead. <laughs> so I told her, I said, you know, would you be comfortable, and, and this is the whole group, I said, are you comfortable of sharing why that's so important? Like, why it's so important to you that she helped you know where to go and it was able to help guide you there. And then she opened up to the group and was, and, and this is something I didn't tell the group. I told one kid on my team to help guide her along and be like, hey, I need you to be buddies with her and make sure she feels welcome. Cause I always think that that's the biggest way is get a peer involved first. But I didn't feel right telling the whole team. Especially for women though and girls, 10 right. times more important. And, um, and so she spoke up in front of the team and said, this, this is what I'm dealing with. This is why this is important. And literally like I get chills thinking about it. Cause I remember looking around the circle and them all light bulb, all of them. They're like, Oh, like, it's not because she's not paying attention. It's not because she doesn't try harder. It's not because she doesn't want it. It's because literally there's something that's different about the way her brain functions and learns that takes her longer than other people, period. And then there was a greater understanding and then it created a culture where this kid could be more confident and everybody else was learning how to be supportive of someone who is different or with a different learning ability. And, you know, and that's just another example like that. I mean, and I get kids like that that come in to see me for private lessons or for classes, too. I mean, I've had two different situations where a kid gets dropped off and we're going through class and, I, and I'm getting a vibe like Is that kid not listening. Can they not hear me because it's loud in here? Are they being disrespectful? Like, what's what's the deal? Because I've said things over and over and over and over and over again. And then at mm. the end of the session, you know, I walk out and I, you know, I'm talking to the mom or the dad or whoever, and, and they go, oh, well, you know, they have an auditory processing. So that probably wasn't the best environment with the music and the things and the da-da-da. And I said, Makes sense. Next time, you know, I, I would like it would be nice to know that ahead of time, because if I know, like if you drop him off or her off and you say, hey, my child has this, you know, and maybe you don't maybe it's uncomfortable at first as a parent to to show your child's differences right away. You, but you got to know ahead of time, though. You got you have to I, because now I can do my job better. I can do my job better because I know that that kid needs more TLC or more attention or more like pulling them to the side and saying, "Hey, I need you to do A and B rather than A B C D." Or how about just knowing the fucking basics, right? You, I mean, I had a kid in Hunter High School. I was doing the left and right and drill, right? The left and right drill, the one minute drill, and he's like out of breath, and I'm like, "Dude, you need to toughen up because right. we have a whole season." And then the assistant coach is like, um, "He has asthma." He has asthma. <laughs> it's like, should have known that. Yeah, but and, and I was like Jack Nicholson from A Few Good Men. I was like, Don, <laughs> Don I feel like the fucking asshole. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, dude, that's very important. And you and you brought on something that's probably five, five to ten times more important for women, women and girls volleyball than men, right? I think genetically we as human beings are equipped to... Um, as far as get tougher die is concerned, mm -hmm. we are equipped for that. Yeah. If, mm -hmm. Like, like there is a growth mindset, and that's mm -hmm. that's one way to do it. But I'll I'll also bring your attention to, and I can only speak for men because this is a men dominated institution. The United States Army, right? Mm -hmm. uh, boot camp, 
Fort Knox, Kentucky. I did AIT, Advanced Individual Training in Fort Belvoir, Virginia. The first two weeks or three weeks, you're like, why the fuck am I here? Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to be here, but in the Army, you can't quit. You don't have any choice. So it's one of those things where we as humans, if you put, you push hard enough or push the right buttons, so and and this and this and of course this example is your backs to the wall. You got to get tough or die, right? Uh, um, has built character mm -hmm. in me. Like I served yeah. for three years, and, I, and my my entire service is overseas, and I, and I probably spent more of those years playing professional volleyball than I did um uh, in the military because I was they allowed me to do both. I will boot camp was a character builder. There's there's uh, I was a better human being. That's and that's not a growth mindset environment. No. <laughs> right? Come on. Man. Yeah. You look like a bottom you look like two hundred pounds of chewed up bubblegum, son. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, do you know, do these uh, keep going till I get tired and I'm wide awake. So so I mean there there's these environments where we as civilians would consider hazing and not good 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 training environments and not good for someone's growth mindset, but Says who? Says who after generations and generations of building great men, great leaders of our uh, world leaders, yeah. right? And I mean, uh, um, I'll give you an example because we had this conversation about um, dumb Republican presidents versus smart Democrats, right? <laughs> like, um, That's okay. interesting topic. No, you think about it. No, think of when I told my Democratic friend, if they're not fucking brilliant, I mean, Biden's the exception to rewrite the rule, but if they're not brilliant, they're not going to win. All right. The last three presidents, Obama, bright dude. Bill Clinton had a light behind him. You know, with a light followed and, and us like pigeons picking bread, we follow with it. Jimmy Carter's literally a rocket scientist. Mm -hmm. Now look at the other side. Reagan, fucking B-level actor that probably, you know, he beat Mondale so bad he forgot who we ran against. All right. Uh, um, now, H.W. Bush, highly intellectual, savage, former CIA spook, also a World War II fighter pilot. And, and his story... Um, it's very synonymous with Unbroken. If you've mm -hmm. ever never seen the movie or read the book, yeah. Laura Hildebrand, I strongly encourage Fabulous. everyone to read it. Then you got Trump. I mean, uh, we, everything you need to know about Trump. Then you got George Bush, uh, H.O.W., who's a C student that somehow got in the Yale. Oh, I wonder how. So it's one is about the their um, machine being stronger. And the other one is more strategic. And we got to make sure our guy's clean. Because um, speaking from a political perspective, the, the Republican machine, getting the information out there and getting people to appreciate what they consider values uh, is still, even now, where everything is acceptable, is still a time-tested tradition that's helped them win. And why am I getting into politics? What the fuck is the point in all this? Where, where are you going with this, Jason? In volleyball, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I'm a growth mindset supporter. I don't want anybody to do to develop themselves into a man the same way I did. It's, I know that's not for me, for them, right? That's, that's a, it's a volunteer army. Mm -hmm. But I don't want growth mindset to be this thing where anything outside of that is asinine, that's no, not productive right. to children and this and that. Because that's what's, that's what's out there right now. And, mm -hmm. and in this environment where the parents are paying all this money, I, 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 I got to agree. But... Not everybody's fucking story nope. is these kids is the same Agreed. as these kids coming up. I'm from Flatbush Avenue. I Brooklyn. know. So the my kid needs they... boot camp. You know right. what I'm saying? But, well, God, but sorry. you also encountered a lot of adversity in your younger life. Mm -hmm. So 
what do you do with a kid? Like, what would happen? Okay, and I don't know, and I'm not going to say. What would happen if you took a kid who had encountered very little to no adversity in their younger life and put them into your um, boot camp scenario? Mm -hmm. What happens to that kid now? Right. Because we have a lot, like this generation, our generation, like we call World War II the, the greatest generation for a reason. Like they were gritty. They were scrappy. They were, you know, your stories, Jay, like they're tough. Kids around here, a, a lot of times I've said the greatest adversity they're facing is volleyball practice. Well, my God. Like now there is the flip side of the coin that you never know what's going on in someone's life. And I do feel like... All the kids that walk into the gym have something else going on. But these days, it's based on, you know, what they're seeing on social media. And not this, like, really deep-focused, family-driven, societally-driven, community-driven. Like, we're very pulled apart. We're very segmented. And this is who you are, that we're putting people in groups and not letting them cross over. Like, you were thrown into a boot camp and said, you're all the same and we're going to treat you like crap. Like, it didn't matter what color you were, where you were coming from, whatever. Yeah, we're we all green. We don't live in that world. We <laughs> we're all green. <laughs> yeah, we don't live in that world right now. Mm -hmm. So, like, growth mindset to me is almost like the greatest thing you can teach to a kid who you're, you're literally having to convince them that they need to go through adversity to, to be better, to get great. They expect to walk in and be great. <laughs> They're mm -hmm. not. Nobody does that. Well... Greatness can be achieved by having a loving environment too. I mean, absolutely, because people think loving environment is not competitive. People uh, um, often cross those two things. Like my wife, loving environment, are the best parents ever. As far as I'm concerned, they're my natural parents. I mean, I don't, that that's yeah, they that's took awesome. me in, didn't know me shit. Um, me, kid from Flatbush, not total hell, but I've had my ups and downs, and I know a lot of people wouldn't have, a lot of people would have went another way if they were in my situation, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Loving environment, girl went to Harvard, you know what I'm saying? Savage, high school player, two state championships, yeah. got recruited to Brown and Harvard to play tennis and volleyball, but you well, know. and, uh, and um, sorry, and I would and I would echo that because I mean I feel like it started with my generation, like the mm -hmm. millennial generation. I'm the oldest of five kids. My parents both worked growing up. We were homeschooled until eighth grade, or I was homeschooled until eighth grade, and so we were very, very hardworking, very earn your time. You know, I mean, I remember calling my mom to complain about my coach, and she go, "Have you talked to him?" Well, no. Well, go talk to him. And it's like, and so, but then I would go talk to him and I would get on a good page. But then my teammates, my college teammates, would be like, well, I'm on scholarship, so I deserve to play. Or, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, I walked on. I tried out. I got a walk-on spot, redshirted. And so I had to earn it. And I earned a scholarship, an athletic scholarship by my sophomore year. And, and I hang my hat on my work ethic. Like, I know people and I can, I have connections now, but I don't have those connections without my work ethic. And when people say like they back me or they believe that I can do a job, it's because of what they've seen me do, not because of like who I know. But I feel like it's, I could see it. Like I would go to practices and I would, I remember calling my mom be like, mom, why am I the only one that wants to work hard? Why am I the only one that doesn't want to go out on the weekends and drink during season? And, and she would, and she didn't want to go out and drink. I know. 
in season. Something wrong with you, man. You know, I mean, there's a time and a place, right? Yeah. And if you're there for business and you're trying to get jobs done and win matches, then, like, there's no time for that yeah, in the I'm, fall. Dude, I know you don't have a vodka bottle when you're coaching club. I know there's, a, there's a time. There's a time. I mean, damn, she want to act like I'm going to be like, like all the other, all the other kids who are, like, entitled is like... <laughs> no, let's but go you, get a fucking snack <laughs> you but know? you bet on the road I'll have a bottle of wine in my room and I'll have it at the end of the day yeah you know not the whole bottle but you know a glass just to wind down but it's but I started seeing it with my own generation and my teammates and that's why I mean I don't have a lot of friends my age because I don't agree with their mentality or their lack of growth mindset and now as a coach I see it more and more with kids they walk in and they're entitled and they believe that they're better than the next person because you know their mom or dad is so and so or they train with so and so and it's like okay well i respect all of those things Mm -hmm. but i'm also going to take you for face value of what you show me in my practices in my clinics in my tryouts and in matches because i take my i take the athletes for where they're at and where I foresee them going based on the work they put in and the relationship we can build. Yeah, and that's the challenge for the coach to create this environment. And Wendy, definitely chime in on, on this in a minute. Um, to create an environment where everybody's the same. And it does start with hard work, all right? Let's just put it, put this in perspective, all right? You did not get a scholarship. In fact, I'll look no further than you, all right? You did not get a scholarship. You had to do... to. Um, do a bunch of things that earned you that scholarship, mm-hmm. all right? There's a person that got a scholarship and they received that scholarship. Now, the thing that you two have in common is you're both on the same team and the person on a scholarship didn't ask for that life. That's that's all they know. So empathy in this situation is not athletic. It's not gay. It's not transgender. Empathy is bisexual. It has to work both ways. Mm-hmm. And so... If there's someone that's rich and they're entitled and they got that scholarship, they didn't ask to be in that situation either. They they were trained and groomed in that situation where that's that's all they know too. Mm-hmm. And that's where you find this commonality. Your hard work and your work ethic and, and having a um um it makes one sound more noble than the other, but quite frankly it is. It is it is more noble. It, fuck it, it just is. <laughs> all right. Um but the one thing you have in common is neither one of you asked for that situation, but you did what you had to do to get to where you are. Yeah. And if you can just take those differences and you can be like, all right, it's not where we were before to get to the situation. In order for us to be um, to, to progress, in order for us to, to flourish, in order for us to prosper, what are we going to do now? Mm-hmm. What do we do now? Right. Um, and... Um, that's been my life's philosophy. There's, yeah. there's, because there's so many things. And Wendy, you can definitely talk about because we have these conversations all the time yeah. about who, how you were raised, or, or maybe some bad shit you did or whatever you that you chose to do, or just something that shapes who you are. Um, it is important because it has it makes you understand who that person is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But once you understand who that person is and they understand you. Over time, the general respect makes that become less important because the, the, the next question is, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think 
couple things come in there perspective like ashley already mentioned and empathy like you just said both Mm -hmm. of those things run both ways like you know can you put yourself in someone else's shoes i have said for a long time can't yeah yeah i mean some people can't um Mm -hmm. the better the better you are at that i think the richer your life becomes the more the, the, the greater your relationships become the better your community becomes um something that came out of my writing that i just realized what I, my philosophy is, you know, compete with yourself and collaborate with your community. Mm -hmm. And that could be community can be team. Like that's more of an abundance mindset. Like everybody can grow together. Everybody's a rising tide. I don't have to be taking your spot by me doing my best One, I can set an example, but also you're, you're bringing everybody up. So why wouldn't you do anything but your best? But it's because you're trying to be your best and bring, everyone else with you so whatever that if you the more you can encourage that kind of a mindset with a team or a community or a, a workplace or whatever like nobody has to cancel anyone out right. we're all just in yeah. a place where we're here to grow so you know that's yeah rising tides lifts all ships yeah, right exactly. is, that, is, that, yeah. is that um is that the term rising tide is a really really good description i love the rising that. tide yeah for sure yeah so well and that's how you create a competitive and motivating climate on your teams is you know i strive to be my best so that i can help you strive to be your best and if we're both striving to be our best individually then everybody else will do the same and then the level rises and then we know that like we're both working to be our best individually toward this common goal. And then, you know, you know, like if Wendy and I are, are vying for the same position and I know that we're both putting in maximum amount of effort every day, I'm going to be supportive of her when she gets to play and vice versa and know that like, well, she just beat me out that game. Right. So I'm going to work a little harder. Yeah. yeah. But the most important thing is nobody's like, like for the people listening to this, I mean, this is, 30% just three people talking shit, yeah. but it's 70% learning uh, teachable moments for everybody. Thank God, because this doesn't happen without the two of you. I'm not saying, and I don't think you are either, saying that you're not supposed to feel a particular way of the result. You just said you and Wendy are competing for a spot. They pick Wendy, but you still think you deserved it over her. You're supposed to feel resentful you're uh, and, and uh, or bitter and maybe to even, a certain extent and maybe even envious so it's a it's a feeling i i i can't emphasize this enough that you don't tell people not to feel that way just tell that person that what you're feeling right now is very fucking temporary mm-hmm. it should not be a residual thing where you, you become self-implosive or even worse where you become explosive where you're just a grenade and well, and, you're, and the teammate sitting next to you gets blown up with you. They didn't. I mean, they didn't do shit. You well, know, and 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 depending on the the age of kid that yeah. you're coaching, because maturity is really being able to hold opposing values or feelings mm-hmm. in the same space, yeah. right? When you're younger, that's really hard to do. But then again, you're also giving them that opportunity to start to learn to hold different emotions in the same space. Because if you don't, that's how they're going to be as an adult. All right. right. Look. <laughs> Are there any fucking proms? Uh, here's a question, a rhetorical question. Are there any proms for fucking 30-year-olds? The answer is no. <laughs> unless you're me. Unless you're me and you're like this returning adult student coming back to school at 33 years old hitting on little, hitting on little girls, right? Hey, little girl. What's your name? So, um, all right. The point I'm trying to make, in high school, someone gets prom queen. She didn't deserve it. 
just part of the good old boys or good old girls club. What kind of parent are you? Are you training your kid to fucking hate the prom queen? Yeah. Are you training your kid to hate the person who made her prom queen? And if you don't fucking train your kid right, you as an adult are going to get mad at people that get shit that you think you deserve. And that's where it becomes not productive. And that's where it becomes an anti-socially useless fucking waste of time. And I'm saying fuck a lot, aren't I? Just <laughs> roll with it. I feel like Luke Skywalker doing a two live crew record. <laughs> but um, um, that's and that's, that's weird because I just came point, up with Jay. that. No, now. that's a very Be- good point. Because you're saying it depends on if it's kids and this and that. But I'm so when you're but when you were saying that I'm like Wendy, what the fuck are you talking about? There, there are adults that behave like that. But I'm like no 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 no. Wendy's onto something here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and adults like that probably because they never learned to be- hold. E- yeah. Yeah. And, you have to and, start somewhere. Yes. And honestly, and if you train a kid like that, he creates a group contagion where the other oh. kids feel like that. And now everybody hates the prom queen. Right. Who didn't yeah. ask for that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Or or right. anybody like a captain or a, or, a player yeah. or a coach or whoever. Like it could be your boss. It could be a coworker. Like if you can't. A promotion process, right yeah, at work. If mm-hmm. you can't process the information in with a growth mindset or like some perspective and empathy, even to go back to those keywords, you know, I mean, yeah, because I would be jealous because, yeah, I do think I'm better or whatever. But I also can say, well, I'll get it next time mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe I won't. Yeah. But I. I, I well, how's the saying go? Don't hate the player, hate the game, <laughs> right? Yeah. Is that, is that yeah. how it works? Yeah. Look, Wendy, you, you know I'm, I'm not just a coach. I'm a color commentator. So you, you know um, it is perfectly natural for me to have resentment um, if I'm not asked to do certain commentating jobs where I know in my heart of hearts that I'm dead. Yeah. Um, you're good, um, Jay. Yeah, and, and the you're, feedback you're says that too. You're good at what you do. Fuck that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say that about myself. Only because of voluntary feedback. Yeah. There's a certain way people give you feedback that's you know is real and authentic and it's not phony. Yeah. Because no one's gonna no one's gonna message you. Dude, nobody's uh, got an encyclopedia, yeah, nobody, right. a volleyball encyclopedia yeah. in their head. But like nobody, but, but nobody's gonna like wake up like um Facebook messenger you something that's thoughtful and well thought out and yeah. um and I have nothing to give to that person that 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 the praise that the the feedback is real. Yeah. Right. I, there's because they have nothing to gain or lose right. by by just saying that. You know, and they're not yeah. saying that just to be nice because I'm not there. So, so, yeah, I know about those challenges, and sure. I, I, I and I, and yeah. I find myself involuntarily, oh, not involuntarily, because I choose to say these things. I choose the words that come out of my mouth, so I won't say involuntary. But I do choose to um, have fun and tease certain people. You do. Um, who, who get that? I'm, I mean, I sound like this is code for teasing, teasing Kevin Barnett, but um, <laughs> right? Doesn't it sound like I'm doing that? But I'm not doing that because I've already said my piece. Like Barnett's the king of indoor and he takes you on that journey is an amazing, amazing indoor guy. And you have these bios, you never knew about someone. And then and then you hear him on the beach and you're just like, fuck me. You know, I did tell him that I didn't say that I hated him. I just said, you're not, you're, you know, I said, you're not one of my favorite commentators, but I want you to hear it from me because I like you. Right. And it's better that you hear it from me than for me to be like, oh, how you doing? And, and then I sound like yeah, I'm saying all worst. this bad shit behind your back. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, what's my number one rule, right? My like or dislike for someone doesn't affect my critical thinking skills. 
Yeah. So. That is maturity as well. Shoot. So what, what dude, you on Wendy's, uh, <laughs> she's like, who, me? <laughs> you on Wendy's Optima Journal last week. And yeah. Wendy called me last week and she said just before she gets in the car, she lost her volleyball job. Well, do, do you want to talk about that shitty when we, we want to skip that? Um. Because that actually left a big gap, a beat where we could just cut that part off. <laughs> mm, this is good. We can cut that off later. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do I'll that. I'll tell you off off air. All right, cool. <laughs> um, nice. Well, good. Then we'll let this well, part run because we'll let this part run and categorize that it's not everybody's business. It's, yeah. Um, I only wanted to know because I heard a little bit of it and I was thinking it'd be a teachable moment um, for for employers, employees and this and that and how, and how they relate to whatever. But fuck that. It's not. You have to live here. It's still very new. Yeah. And somewhere down the road, I will be ready, ready to speak publicly and freely about it. But right now, it's not that time. No. All right, cool. Because I'm still ingrained yeah. there. No. And, and I'm not looking for clicks. I'm just no. looking. I'm just looking for a teachable no. moment. I would never. Yeah. I have never, nor will I ever do that for, for the sake of. Uh, well, and I love teachable moments, too. And, and again, like I've told Wendy you know the the biggest teachable moment for me in this you know is twofold it's one like wendy started the podcast mm. and said like you know if you're happy with something as a parent make sure you voice that happiness because i mean it, i i forget what the number is but you are way more likely to complain about something or be negative about something than you are to be like positive about a review a service or whatever so that's the biggest thing. And then the other thing is just um, communicate directly with the source. Yeah. Communicate directly yeah. with the source. Um, right. Because through this whole thing, I've still been kept in the dark with some things. Yeah. Isn't that how we started the podcast with me? With Facebook? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, well, and transparency is huge. And that's, you know, and, and to bring yeah. it full circle, that's kind of you know, how I have how I felt is I kind of, you know, been canceled in a way with this group. And right. um I think, look, we could stop there. Yeah, we could definitely stop there. Again, you you uh, for two reasons. One, nobody even if you're right, nobody wants to be that person because you, you want people to work with you and you want to work with them. And it's immature, but people think that way anyway. So I'm not, yeah. well, I ain't trying to fucking overcook nobody's yeah, goods. And I that. always say, if you know um, who you are and you know where you're going, like yeah. you don't have to answer to every little thing because you do have your skill set and yeah. you, who you are to fall back on. And we definitely covered a huge yeah. portion of where the coach comes into play and their responsibility and how it's running the parents. Um, um, I will take this situation and make it about me so it's more a little bit more comfortable. Okay. Um, when I came back to Coach Club, Anything other than volleyball, anything, I'm, I'm about that action. Yep. So anything other than volleyball, parents, uh, problems with Jason Olive, parents, problems, whatever, kids, kids missing practices and that, put put me in a position. It, I said it's the parents and, and my director's responsibility to collaborate, to put me in a position where all I got to do was worry about coaching. It was a selfish thing on my part, but it was a stipulation for me to... Um, to um, come back and do this, all right? They've kept their promises, and, then, and I am humbled. And it is my duty and it is my honor and privilege to be affiliated with LA Volleyball Club and LA Beach, which is program directed by Jason Olive, 
hot as fuck model and um dane blanton who i'll send the podcast because we said it last week the only male player to hold a gold medal avp crown and an ncaa championship as a as a player and coach no other player no other male male player holds that dis- distinction wow. um every coach is a coach of color i'm the whitest black guy on the team um, and we recruited and did our tryout try process inland, where at least five girls are black and Latino. So there was a, a mission that Jason and them came or whatever. And, and I said, you got yourself a coach. If you put me in a situation where parents don't come at me funny, you know what I mean? There was a situation, I won't, I won't name names, but Kamalo, who's one of my, 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 our best coaches, um, I'm more experienced than her, and I'd like to think I'm a better coach. But as far as like best man for the job and like Illawarra Club, she's, she's our top girl. She's mad young, 24 years old, and she had a parent follow her into the parking lot, which is like really fucking threatening, you know, because parents yelling and doing all that stuff. And that's a woman. And she's yeah. young. And you don't fucking do that, you know? No. And then when someone's, you know, then... Well, um, and, well I've had parent... I've had situations with mm-hmm. parents like where a kid's been, you know, pulled off my team or they've decided not to participate. And three years later, the the mom goes, well, if I would have known that you were this nice three years ago, I, you probably could have talked me into keeping my daughter on your team. And I'm like, okay, you know, and, and, and it, and then there are situations where like, I'm getting yelled at, like berated in the middle of, of, of a venue in a lunchroom where everybody is hearing and everybody is seeing and it's not and I'm not even the head coach but I'm you know whatever the scapegoat in that moment and I and I just was like I understand you know and luckily I had gotten to a place of maturity where I wasn't taking it personal in that moment but I said you know your kid is outside crying how can you can how can you not so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go take care of her and, and we can hash this out later but you know it it my again, Scott says it beautifully. He talks about you know, you know he he says in his pre-parent meetings he used to ask the questions like, all right, do I have any doctors in the room? And people raise their hand. I'm a doctor. Okay, so you're a doctor and you're you're in the surgical room. Am I gonna tell you where to cut on a patient? No, because you're the doctor, not me. Mm-hmm. Okay, my kid is on your table. My kid is on your table in the surgical room. Am I going to tell you because it's my kid where to cut? No, because that's your job. Mm-hmm. So let the coaches coach. And if you have, if if it's psychological, mental, emotional, physical abuse, by all means, yeah, wave the red flag. You have to have. Sorry. But if it's something that's more like a difference of opinions or a lack of understanding of the game or why I'm, you know, choosing to run a 5-1 offense instead of a 6-2, like, just call me. Yeah, We can talk about it. I have no problem having a 10-minute conversation with you about why I did A, B, and C. And again, you may or may not agree, but at least you've given me the opportunity to communicate to you why. Yeah, you gotta have the coaches there. You're young. So when a parent says they wanna talk to you, you have to have a look that that it's not like like I'm ready for you where you're like defensive and at the same time it looks like like if a parent has a Sherman Tank personality yeah. and the look the look is this. Yeah. I'm telling you they calm the fuck down. Yeah. Really 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 quick. Mm-hmm. You you know and you got you got to have that look because what happened to you and that that lunch thing is some something like the old jason would have lost his mind and it would have, and it would have been a whole show but but man you could so do you think there's a stare do you think there's a double standard between female and male coaches fuck yeah 
Fuck yeah. If I, if I cry because we lost, I'm, I, I, I want it for the team. But if a female cries when she loses, she's gone all soft. There, there. I mean, we wanted this. Yeah. We or wanted to talk about a, that. If a female's too. tough, or she raises her voice, or she's got. A well, if a guy's tough, if a guy's tough and emotional, he cares about the sport. And when a woman does it, he lost her mind. How about the situation <laughs> where Serena, yeah, lost her lost her shit against Osaka, right? About mm-hmm. the referee, Serena was wrong. Yeah. Okay. And people could have just said Serena was wrong, but I put out a video of Karch Karai. Like um, the ref called the block on a touch, and they called four hits when he when he tried to hit it. And the next play, they lost, and Karch went to the the referee's chair in the net and ripped the entire system down. This the match is already over, here. and the dude jumped off the jump. The ref jumped off the ladder, and and everybody's like, "Oh man, Karch is mad," and this and that. And I'm like, "What you mean, Karch is mad? That motherfucker should be in jail for some shit like that." He. It's it's on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and you don't get to that top level without having that intensity, by the way. And like, I use yes, them. It's not, it, needs, it can be used. But wrong, I use but, them as an example yeah. is because Karch is noted as the greatest player of all time in Durham Beach, right? right. Uh, Serena's no, uh, noticed uh, probably yeah. top two, top one or whatever. Definitely. Steffi Graf, I mean, Definitely. for whatever. So, but there is a double standard. Uh, see the movie G.I. Jane? I have not. No. Excellent movie. Give you a tip, okay? The, I'll give you a tip. The younger, uh, um, the dumber the name, the better the movie. For, <laughs> right? Forrest, Forrest Gump. Dumbass name. Great movie. Yeah, great Shawshank movie. Redemption. Dumbass name. One of the best movies of all time. G.I. Sure. Jane. She's um, doing the CRT, CRC, Navy SEALs Academy. And she asked her drill instructor, like, what'd you get the, the, the medal for, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I... I rescued a guy from a burning tank. And she's like, so if you rescue me, you've gone all soft. But if you rescue another guy, it's like you're a hero. So so there's a double standard. And there's two things I'm going to give you as from one old dog to a young person. One, it's not fair. Such is life. And two, you get rewarded for that um, because you took that fact not kicking and screaming. Which is why I was very careful to try to explore whatever and this and that. Because, again, as a guy, you don't want to be that guy. So take that multiply by three. You don't want to be that girl either. So I, yeah. I, I wasn't trying to out right. none of that Well, and, and as yeah. a female, you know, being in the gym with both female and male coaches, you uh-huh. know, I've seen coaches firsthand cuss multiple times in a practice. And not just use curse words for motivation or, you know, emphasis, but like cursing at kids like yeah. you da, 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 suck get out of my face blah 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 and seemingly nothing happens to somebody like him mm-hmm. or a man but you know i get talked to about my tone being harsh and it's like or me standing on the bench and yelling in a match well first of all i don't know if you've been in an indoor gym lately but like those whistles and the screaming of girls and the whole thing is so loud like i have to yell to be heard so at that point are you listening mask on too yeah well i mean yeah i have you but are you listening to the tone or are you listening to what i'm saying because i'm often yelling like move your feet talk hit high sets whatever like and so again like visually maybe you see me yelling but like if you hear the message, it's not meant to be harsh. No. It's supposed to be informational. And so, you know, if if that's, again, another lack of understanding or lack of perception, like, let's talk about it. Like, why are you yelling for a whole match? That doesn't make any sense. Or 
whatever. But um, tell them you're trying to avoid referee whistle PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you go to a gym. You go to a gym, right? And you're sleeping oh. at night, right? Yeah. And when you're sleeping and you hear oh. in your dream, you're like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yep. ball up, free, free. <laughs> you know, you all. And your wife was like, "Have you lost your, your mind. fucking mind?" <laughs> um, but yeah, it's you know, and and again, being a female, like it, it isn't fair. Does it, is it something I think about often? No. But when it smacks me in the face, I go, oh. Yeah. Because that's what I it feels feel like. It. And I will say that. Because isn't that what it felt like? You're walking down the street and someone hits you that you don't know, walks by and hits you. And you're like, what the fuck did I just do? I've been blindsided more happened? than three times yeah. in the last four months. And wow. that's never the first go-to for you or for me. Like no. when I said that, it took a lot of processing to realize that that double standard's there. Because I don't pull that card. I yeah. like being a female. I, I think... There, men and women have very different gifts, and we are both. Wish I was a female. Well, Shoot. and you know. and even to the point of like Title Nine, yeah. I don't want a job just because I'm the only female candidate or applicant. Like, yeah. I want the job because I'm the best one for the job, not because I mark, I check some box for your, you know, equal Quota. opportunity. Yeah. Like, no. I, I will say this though, as a person who never knew his real father, three sisters, three aunts, raised by women, one uncle joined the military. You know, uh-huh. no, he, he's not around. Ty goes to the woman. <laughs> All right. I mean, you know, how about Ty goes to the woman? Like Chris Rock said that about black yeah, people. He's yeah. like, look, I don't think someone that's black yeah. should get the job because he's black. But I, he says, but I'll say this. <laughs> if it's a Ty, it Ty should go to the black man. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I see that. I, and I totally would agree with appreciate that. I really like that you, you know yourself. And I like that you have something we call the courage of your convictions. And I also like that you come on this podcast not owing me shit that you're actually taking in some of the things I'm saying. Um, To me, it just shows that you know that you as a human being, well, we all as human beings, but you specifically are true to form with your growth mindset. Right. You're, you're like, Thank you. I know I think I'm good. I know I'm good at this game. I know this is what I want to do when I grow up. This is why I was put on this planet. Right. And then you're like every fucking day. What yeah. do we want to do better? Um, and I'd like to um, I we still got plenty of time, but but I, I got to make a decision on changing the file in about 25 minutes. Um, at the end of my practice, this is where I want you, you to take over. And when do you too? I started doing something like I've been coaching 22 years, but I only started doing this like five years ago with Mayor. At every after every practice and after some games, we huddle up. What have we learned? Mm-hmm. And I started implementing that because I'm. I mean, this is gonna sound like an ego thing, and I shouldn't. And people say I shouldn't even say, it, but anyway, I have more coaching experience than John. I just do. I'm older. When you're older, you have more coaching experience, and my ability to do more with less. Definitely, definitely trumps what the hell he's having. Amen. To do. But um, I will say this: the first time I tried that, I said, "What have we learned?" No one fucking raised their hand. And then I'm like, "All right, I fail people as a coach." Was this a drill, a drills driven day where I taught them a technique and and cl- and consistent with club? They're just trying to do it so it feels like second nature, where they don't mm-hmm. like brushing your teeth, right? You don't mm-hmm. think about it; you just right. you just brush your teeth, such as volleyball. So then I started doing some things and i started giving people focuses like if it's a passing drill 
uh, go down a line. You're straight and simple. Yep. You're straight and simple. You're uh, one move to the ball. You're hold. Holds. I'm a big guy. Hold. I'm yep. big on hold, right? Um, and then you tell a 13 year old, what have we learned? Well, I learned how to pass. And I'm like, not good enough. Tell me. <laughs> Well, I learned this or whatever and this and that. And then when a girl starts articulating um, the specifics, then all of a sudden someone else instinctively raised their hand because it just popped in their head. Mm -hmm. And now what do we learn needs more time at the end of practice. And and when I did it at the end of the game, uh, the tournament, everyone raised their hand because I never did it in the tournament. The tournament, I'm like, just watch the video. And then Monday, you know, it was a Sunday tournament. We have Monday practice. We're going to do some yoga, um, some fun stuff, and we're just going to talk. And... Sunday, last uh, two Saturdays ago, no, last weekend was mm-hmm. the first time I asked what did we learn. And every single person raised their hand, and the parents who looked like they had their backpack, you know, ready to go, they were just like, they just sat down, <laughs> you know, they're like, okay, <laughs> this, this is gonna, gonna be a minute. <laughs> no, but that's the relationship I have. They're like, if I want, I really want to go, and Jason knows that I really want to go, and they're staying. That's the relationship. It's for a fucking reason. Yeah. It's not like, you know, let's get this moving. I really want to go home. So, and that's what I got from you as a coach. You as a former player are always going to learn more about your own game coaching than a coach will learn his playing. That's just, mm-hmm. that's just a, that's a historical fact. And there's enough correlation where I'm safe enough to call that fact. Uh, I feel safe enough to call that fact. Wendy, something you want to add to that? You are you? You poor girl, you've been sitting in that chair. I'm we gave fine. we gave you the judge's chair. Look at, <laughs> look, at, look at the thing behind her, right? That executive back, you know. Yeah, yeah. You came into this room saying you're no, wondering I'm... why I call this meeting and shit. So, <laughs> but you, but getting back to you because I didn't want to. I wanted to do it a different angle so I didn't blush you to death. <laughs> I really I like your style. I like where you you're secure in Thank what you. you know and where you feel right. But at the same time, you you. You, I didn't, I wasn't sure if you're the kind of person that left room to see uh, how it was wrong um, at a certain level. Because at, at, at some point, we all got to have that coming to Jesus moment. But I didn't, I didn't know what level and how much of that as far as constructive criticism is mm-hmm. to take. But, but it seems that's the story of your life. <laughs> I would second that. Constructive criticism is the story of your fucking life. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I've. And you came out I. I think so. I mean, it's <laughs> taken me a long you're time. You're even cute. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> I try. Not like monkeys and babies cute. I mean, no, you're cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, cute. Sorry, go ahead. G.I. Jane? Yes. <laughs> Dude, even Demi shaving her head was cute. Yeah. Fuck out of here. Sorry, but go ahead. Um, yeah, I appreciate those kind words. You know, I... Even through this whole process, I mean, everything's a process for me. Everything's learning. So as I go through every team lessons, experiences, I go, my big thing is self-reflection. So I I like to say, okay, what could I have done better? Um, What could I have said better? Is there something I'm learning from this experience or from what's happening? And try to put that all together to better serve my athletes because at the end of the day like the whole situation and and my whole future like it's not about me it's about the kids it's about what i can give to them what i can teach them that's going to make them enjoy volleyball but also be better suited and prepared for their life i mean that's why i'm so passionate about the team and about leadership is because 
Like sports was an avenue for me to learn how to work with others, how to lead, how to be responsible, accountable, all of those things. And so, and more. And I feel like sports is one of the only avenues that you can teach all of those things at once. But you have to have the right person in place and you have to have the right team and the right support system and the parents and, um, you know, and open communication lines. It's big. And it has to be an uncomfortable situation where you feel like it's about you because they look, it's not about you. It's always about the kids. But there's always this outside stuff that comes in where mm-hmm. like, fuck, now now it's about me. Jesus fucking Christ. You know, and um that's like I mean, you know, without talking about it too much and i've already felt like we said too much i already felt like i honey dicked you into talking about it um <laughs> did i say honey dicked uh, hood, sorry hoodwinked bamboozled taken for a ride okay <laughs> yeah, milk box material okay have you seen this child right uh, um i really don't want anyone or anything to put you in a situation where you have to make it about yourself because that in my estimation it's that's not the place you want to be. The place you want to be, you want to be is where you make it about the kids. And you, and you do the sport that you love that we recognize as an art and a science. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, how, how, how cool is that? It's an art and a science. <laughs> it's beautiful. You know? Um, right? Like mixed martial arts, same thing. And yep. There's a science and yep. muscle manipulation and where mm-hmm. the carotid artery is. Yeah. But there's also an art in how you do, so a, do a, a choke hold or an arm bar or yeah, yeah. a choke and this and that. So our sport very much, um, well, every sport is an art and a science, but volleyball is so unique. It's so, it's, it's so unique. Yep. And and you're one of the players in this system, you know, and I really hope you're, you're, you're going to continue to do, do these good things, you know. I love it. Nothing's going to stop me yet. So it's because, no. again, it's not about me. And I do, I mean, I have a master's in coaching and athletic administration and through that, through that educational piece, you know, I had to come up with like a personal mission or philosophy. And, um, I really believe that my mission or philosophy or purpose here on earth, my purpose is to affect positive change in other people's lives. And through sports, it's a very unique way for athletes, other coaches, parents, spectators, like all of it like I have other coaches from other teams that come up to me and my my assistant and go or even just me sometimes we really like the way you coach like we we, I sit here while I'm refing and I listen to you and I think you're great and I'm like thank you like that feels good in that moment but like I wish that happened more often again you know say the positive things as you see them or you know when you have those experiences um, well, it sounds to me like you got a shitload of positive that you don't have to really focus on on no. the negative and use that as a straw man fallacy on how to live your fucking life. That's right. All right. That's and right. I, I, I say good for you because for me, parents come up to me because they. Well, the, I the thing I get all the time is you're entertaining as fuck. Yeah. You're entertaining as fuck. <laughs> you know. And you I are, mean, Jay. they know they know I can coach or whatever, but I'm just like I put someone in a serve and and they're like anyone to serve to, and I'm just like. I do something like this, right? And then when I do that, I like turn to the scorer's table. I'm just fucking tell me if it goes over, please. <laughs> please make it in. I can't look. And, and, and everyone starts laughing. And, the, and then the parents on the other court, because you know how they're like yeah. parents sitting on the bench on this end where your team yep, bench is right. on the other court. Oh, so yeah. they hear that and they're cracking up. And, <laughs> and you got people pointing at me. And that's the guy with the Yankee hat. And, and that part of me is never going to change because that personality just allows me to do my job. And... 
again, I'm blessed and humbled that people have accepted that I'm that type of guy and that's how I operate and that's whatever. And because they've accepted that, I kept my promises on delivering good product. I've always been a good coach. And the fact of the matter is former players like, like Miles Evans or whatever, they're never going to hurt your game. They're only, there's only levels of how much they can help. Mm-hmm. Are they helping this much or are they helping that much? You know, you, Wendy, you've been blessed. You've had, you've had good coaches and your kids came up, right? Yeah. You got a, one, good, one kid playing for Hector, you know, yeah. TCU. Good. Yeah. Made NCAAs last year too. That was pretty cool yeah. seeing them. Ranked five right the now. first time. Yeah. 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 Five. Maybe. Wow, in that yeah, league, in, in that division, in that yeah, conference? the pool. Oh, five overall NCAA. But that's what I I'm mean, saying. What is it, AVCA or whatever. They're... No, but if you're five AC, AVCA, yeah, that means you're ahead of Florida State and LSU or with them. Uh, I think, yeah, ahead of LSU. I think LMU was four. I think Florida State might yeah. be three. LMU is going to be up there for a while. John's, John's got yeah. some people who's got a who has a couple yeah. of years left and. You want to talk about one of the only coaches in my life that had um, a drama-free women's program? They don't exist. That that animal doesn't. <laughs> you should have saw. I wish I could have fucking had the camera on Wendy. Wendy, Wendy did this. Like, Wendy, Wendy went, and you went. I was. <laughs> There's he, drama. I've been with him in two. Th- uh, well, I've been with him for a year and a half, and I left to do color commentary to do call all the Pepperdine's mm-hmm. home games and the Big West Championship when Hawaii played Cal Poly, I call that with Travis and them guys. Rob Sparrow, you're a savage, I love you. Um went an entire year. Uh, and it was so it was such a great environment that all of the ki- the women got together and said, John, this is, I've never had an environment where there wasn't some girl drama. That's and awesome. some of the girls admitted, like, look, I've had drama piano and retrospectively it was probably because of me. And I think it's because the whole thought of disappointing that man, one of the nicest guys you ever met in your life, and having to look him in the face, knowing that you let him down, you'll fucking cry. You'll fucking cry if you let John Mayer down. You can't let John Mayer down. And he created this environment where don't disappoint each other. Don't disappoint a coaching staff. Um, Let's pick each other up. And that's, 10 times important for women's volleyball. And we, we said this numerous yeah. times on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. You create an environment where there's a sisterhood where they just pick each other up. You create this environment where you don't say or do anything to an individual player that makes her look alienated in front of the team. You create an environment where you can create tough love. And even in the event of tough love, the girls are like, Let's go. We got your back. You know, let's mm-hmm, do this. Mm-hmm. And the girls kind of make it about them because I'm mm-hmm. we're not we're not machines. We're people. Yeah. I'm going to have some moments where I'm like over there, there, yeah. you know, out of rotation points. Those are easy. We're not giving up these easy points. And yeah. that that is an example of me. Me these days snapping. I've been significantly worse. But yeah, the environment is already set up on the sisterhood where they're just like, hey, two girls are like next play. You know, it's not that we're saying fuck that guy or forget the coach, but right. it's like, hey, he's right, and and what do we do now? Yeah. And it took me years to get this fucking formula. I'm a 22 year coach. I'm a 22 year indoor coach, and it took me years to get this formula. And I hope that you continue to create environments and recreate environments where the kids want to come to practice and they can't wait. And the kid comes up to you and is like, I couldn't sleep last night. 
you know, I, I, I tried to sleep and my head's, my head's on the pillow and the volleyball's in front of me and all I want to do is fucking come back to practice. I, you know how good that makes you feel good as a, as a coach? It makes me feel so good. In fact, I have a kid that's on my team this year who, you know, we have practice Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, and then she comes to, to CPA facility where I do private lessons on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, and then one, like there was one Friday we had a practice and she goes, coach, I'm going to see you six days in a row this week. Like, da, 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 da. And she's all excited about it. And I'm like, okay, if you're excited about it, I'm excited about it. Let's go. <laughs> and, you know, and it, and it's good. Cause you know, they, again, you know, you're an extension of their support system as a coach. Right. And so if they're happy to come see you because you make them feel good or because they enjoy the sport, then that's what matters. It's not about like the parents that like you or don't like you or the kids that do or don't like you or the wins and the losses. Like it's about how you make the kids feel and it's about what you can teach them and give to them that, yeah you know, makes their life more enjoyable now to and a later. Point, to a point where they're saying, bring it on. Like if a kid mm-hmm. told me they have to see me six days a week, you know what I tell her? I'm like, you get what you want. Just make sure you want what you get. And, and, <laughs> and, and if I did my job, she's like, bring it on, coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Yep. I'm not trying to make you cry, but I have to say this before I go. This is who you are. Yeah. Yep. Do you hear what I just told you? This is who I am. This is who you are. This is who this is what you're about. This is who you are as a person. Thanks. And it's and it's beautiful. Thank you. It's absolutely beautiful. Thanks. Appreciate that. I uh through everything, people who know me. And hopefully that comes through on this podcast as well. Like I am fully transparent. What you see is what you get. And I could be a little bit rough around the edges. I've been called abrasive. I've been called harsh. But like it it comes from a good place. I want what's best for the kids. I want to do my best for them. And as hard as I am on kids or parents or my assistant coaches, like, you bet your butt I'm harder on myself when I go home and I look in the mirror and I sit on my couch and I go, okay, did I do that day right? Did I do that match right? Did I make those subs in the right time? Did I do right by everyone from player one to 13? Mm -hmm. Like I am harder on myself than anybody. I've always been that way. Always. Before we get out of here, give me one story or a particular player, two plays um, that at the end of the game made the parents look at you like this, like, I'll give you an example. I'll go first. Okay. Um, we lost a chance to compete in gold for a bit. So we're at silver and some of the kids, you know, they, some of the kids, you know, they're a little crass about that shit. So we are in a situation where it's game three and it's to win silver because you want to leave winners, right? If mm-hmm. you're going to play silver, bronze or whatever, you want to leave winners. So we're at 14-13 and they're asking for a sub. And for some reason, I looked at the on, on my bench and at the end of the bench in my 17s group is a 15-year-old. This, now, this is the group that I had Jesse and those guys, um, okay. uh, which Fallon, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the kids left. They left, um, so some, one or two of the okay. kids left Fallon to play for me. But, so I had a bunch of savages, but I had a 15 that wanted to play 17s. And at the end of the bench is this kid looking at me from the bench. And I'm like, go in and serve. He did not play the entire day. He's not warm. He's, he's not fucking hot. He's cold as fuck. And we're up 14, 13. And the parents go like this. <laughs> right so and I said look just look at the spot you want to serve and once you see the spot look at the ball jump float you know uh, mm-hmm. just hit swing through have a good time 
So he goes in the game, and the, the people blocking didn't know. They're just, right? They're, they're, they're locked focused. in. They're yeah, looking yeah. at him. And this kid doesn't jump float. He doesn't, he doesn't keep it safe. He fucking tosses the ball, right? Like a jump serve. Oh. Top spin serve, side spin. And he swings. And it hits this part of his hand, right? Oh, no. And his wrist away goes position five and four, clean ace. The guy trying to pass the ball dives and, and doesn't touch it. He, a, a guy tries to dive and touch the ball. That's how this fucking serve was. And we won the game. And the parents looked at me like, the father who, who, who's been watching every game, who knew his kid wasn't going to get a bunch of playing time, that kind of had, he, hey, do you know my son was good? You know my son got all the touches 15 and this and that. So, so the father looked at me and goes, and I just go like that. And then the other father was, the, another father just says, you got fucking balls, man. You got big balls. So, so that was a moment where the parents looked at me and did the metaphorical, but in this case, physical now. Do you have a memory? Because we, we didn't get a chance to talk about some of the, the fun stories. And, and, and Wendy, thanks for, for joining, for, for chilling no, with I us. No, I love it. I... Um, give me something before you leave. Jeez. Um, well, I like to think I'm a genius more often than I'm not. That's a start. Um, any moments? Can you think was of there a I only have was there, my own kids' moments. So was but... there a particular play you told in the run and, and practice that they never thought of a run in the game? And when it, when, it, when, it, when it worked in the game, was there a look that they shot you or the parents or whatever? Um, you know, not a specific look, but over the last three years or so, I've been blessed with the challenge of not having middles i mean because middles is such a hard position people don't know how to teach it well kids don't want to play it because it's not the glory position i mean i was a middle i get it okay me too now i took more pride in it than most kids but you know it is what it is but so i've had to for the last three years come up with this lineup like playing muddy ball money ball like brad pitt's money ball um where it ended up being a 4-2 with setters out of the middle front. Fuck it. Yeah, why not? You know, and we're just like, okay, we're going to put four hitters on the floor. We're going to commit block on a good pass. Otherwise, my setter's going to pull to tip coverage, and we're going one-on-one. Pin to pin. Pin to pin. And at least we're going to get some one-on-one opportunities because the middle blocker's not going to know what to do, and then that opens up a dump maybe. Like, the opportunities are endless. Well, I... You know, I had a kid walk away from the team because of it. I had another, you know, parent that was on me like the whole season about it. But that took that team over two years. It took them from ranked 35th in Southern California to top 15 by the yeah. time I was done. Till they, till they hit the brick wall. Yeah. And right, then, yeah. yeah. And, well, until they hit the physicality where like there were middles that no matter how tough we served or right. no matter what, like we're getting yeah, it shoved yeah. down our throat back. Yeah. All right. So you, big. but you don't have a moment, not a moment. Okay. Not one moment, but I just remember like just mm. feeling like the victory after people just challenge you over and over and over again yeah. about this lineup. And it's like, no, this is the best lineup. Like I believe in it. I've mm-hmm. taught them. They know how to do it and they can win in it. And you and, know, it's, you know, it's crazy. Like, the same people who are Nazis about traditionalism worship the people who won gold medals doing things out of tradition. All right? <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Gold medal in 1984. Steve Timmons wasn't an opposite. He had to play middle. Pat Powers is opposite. They had to do that, right? In order for Karch Karai 
uh, to win a second gold medal in 1988. They had to beat Brazil to get to the finals against the Soviet Union. So Karch had to block Andres Tejera. So when he was front row, Jeff Stork, who's the setter, had to block this way. And on transition, Jeff Stork played outside hitter and Karch blocked. The shorter guy had to block. So they had to do things out of tradition just 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 to to make it to the gold medal and and of course when you beat the soviet union that's that's it because the soviet union basically is a whole bunch of countries that's a rock star team so um well and and the first year we did that five that four two was the year i coached yeah kate was on that team well kate was on that team but the first time i ever did it was in aau's with lauren oh because all of our medals went down with sprained ankles my daughter being one of them lauren went down with a sprained ankle on day two and then the second starting medal went down with a sprained ankle on day three going into day four we had not dropped a set our team had not dropped a set and she went down in the middle of a match and um and so i (laughs) i was not even the head coach i was the assistant at this time and and i looked over at stewart and i said stewart put the lefty in put our little ds libero lefty her name was geo put her in in the middle Put the setter in the middle and have her hit on the right. Lefty on the right. Done. That's it. And we ended up winning. Well, Lauren ended up playing the championship point. My... Is there like a, what's your, what's your IG handle and all that stuff so people want to get to know more about you and, and, um, and invade your private life? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Coach Ashley C. Um, that's my coaching Instagram. And then I have a personal one, but I don't remember what that is off the top of my head. Um, I currently coach at SCVC. I do private lessons and um, classes at CPA facility. Um, and yeah, I'm in the community and you can say what you're doing with me. Um, and I'm currently also working with Wendy with her new company, Be Better with Wendy Jones. Um, I'm personal. I didn't know that. I'm working as you a personal assistant and yeah. content yeah. coordinator. So yeah. I'm helping her kind of get things organized and yeah. Um, and get that business off and running because I, I believe in it wholeheartedly. I'm going to give you a ride. And, um, yeah. yeah, excited about that. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, good. That's all I got. So, yeah. listen, Wendy might love you guys and Ashley might love you guys, but me, I don't love you. In fact, I can't stand any of you motherfuckers. In fact, we are out of here, all right? So, for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPad, for all of you on your iPhones, uh, for all of you on the lunch line at Starbucks, for all of you on your droid, for all of you on your desktop, who runs the world? Old school, old school. That is Ashley Clark. That is Wendy Jones. I am Jason DeBeas. We're going to hit my music and we are out of here. Love you to pieces. I was kidding. Come check out the Option Podcast so on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear. Let me tell Chris.